and as much as I, I hate the word moist, it, it was just kind of perfect for, for that specific spot. I was just going to say like 95% of the time that the word moist ends up on the page, it usually ends up getting removed for something else because I feel dirty every time I say it. <laughs> We're all living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Podcast is Really Live. We are really live here on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube, broadcasting everywhere. And obviously, if you're listening on the podcast a couple days later, we appreciate you too. Thank you for being here and being a constant listener. We appreciate that. We have a great show tonight. This is our second annual collaboration with a promptly written podcast, our good friends over there. And uh, that means it's a story-filled episode. And we've got lots of uh, cool stories coming up uh, from uh, myself and Utah, who is in the dark, apparently. And Aaliyah, did Utah's Hi. camera, what happened to his camera while I had him in the green room there? He is gone. He's he's gone. He did not. uh, He did not have a story ready, and so he's out. No, there he is. He's back. Was that your internet? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I am waving. (laughs) Hi. So there's Utah and Aaliyah. Welcome to the show. And uh, Utah's greetings programs. My wampa. It's my. It's my little wampa. Oh, that's right, Aaliyah. You haven't seen Empire Strikes Back yet. She has not. But we're working on that. <clears throat> this is just a, this is just a, this is just a Star Wars and a spoiler out of spoiler with no context. Oh yeah, there you go. Wampa lost his arm. Does it right. grow back with the flower arm? <laughs> it's fattened itself on the head. Okay, hold, okay, uh, so tell up. us where you got the wampa. For those of you listening at home, that was a wampa stuffed animal whose arm detaches. Um, it's pretty pretty cool. Who makes that? Uh, this is a Build a Bear special. Oh, that's the oh. Build a Bear one. Yeah, Very so if you cool. go to Build a Build a Bear has oh, been really you go to Build a Bear dot the IPs, IPs that they have gotten a hold of. They got yeah, Doctor Who impressed. that made me like. I was thinking about getting a David Tennant bear. Oh, uh, see, uh, you know Doctor Who. I got a I got a Dalek and a canine from Build a Bear. Did you? Yeah, I just saw another really one sweet. too. That I was kind of surprised at, but yeah, they're they're they have some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool IPs. So uh, I know you guys have been working really hard for a month on your stories. A whole month, <laughs> a whole, not just starting a, a you know, an hour month. before the show started, but <laughs> not, not at all. The uh, whole not entire month, right, as we speak, not not typing to at bring all. Everybody, <laughs> to bring our audience up to speed, what happens is um, our good friends at Promptly Written. Do, uh, do uh, they write short stories every month based on prompts given in by their listeners? And this month, the, the prompt was World Gone Geek. So we uh, were a part of that. We listened to their stories on their podcast. So you're going to check that out. We'll give you all the details here in a little bit. And all tonight, we're going to do our stories. Yeah. Um, some exciting stuff going on in the world right now, though, of pop culture. Uh, the Oscars mm. are next Sunday. I can't believe that it's already next Sunday. <clears throat> we have tickets to see Aladdin at Playhouse Square, which will be the Ooh, first nice. time in probably a few decades that I will miss the Oscars. So uh, that, that might be. We, well, we typically well will it, have though. an Oscar. Yes. Um, my mom will be in town, so we're taking her to see it. And Oh, uh, sweet. 
Yeah, the uh, um, we usually do a pre-show, but I guess we won't this time. So I guess we'll do a post-show. We'll do a post-show. The week after, we'll talk about all the all the things. We'll find out if anybody gets slapped this year, that kind of fun stuff. Um, Yeah. So and it's Jimmy Kimmel. I hope he does. No, I'm kidding. Is is Will Smith uh, showing? (laughs) Will Smith isn't even showing up, so nobody's getting. He can't show up, but somebody somebody's got to want to slap Jimmy Kimmel. Hasn't he been banned or something? He's been banned for ten years. Yeah, he can't come to Oscar events. Look. Kind I'm just going to say that I can't wait to say that everything, everywhere, all at once got the most Oscars. Yeah, I think I, I would. Think, I would. I would love to see it. I think the trends are definitely headed that way. If you look at all the other award shows so far, it is going to win a lot of stuff. That's it's going to win. It's going to win something. It's going to win at least well, yeah. one. Oh, it'll. Yeah, I think it'll be more than that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of crazy. And it's the first year that a Marvel film is nominated for something other than effects or sound or whatever. Oh, uh, Angela right. Bassett, congratulations. An acting award nomination yes. for a Marvel film. S- she's not going to win. I'm just going to say it right now. And that's not because she's not amazing. I just don't think they're going to give it to her. And there's some there's some incredible talent there's in some that amazing, whole group right now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm... I'm betting they're not going to lean towards the Marvel movie. That's just me, but I agree. I I, yeah. I think I, I I'm leaning towards somebody from Everything Everywhere All yeah, at Once. Yeah, I know, and I think that I would like to see. I think that she would be my pick as well. Um, so, so we'll see. All right. Yeah, I, I actually didn't watch the movie. Sorry, you guys. need to watch. <laughs> oh my god, Lee, you need to watch it. You need you to know watch what? it. This I'm going to tell you one more thing before we move on about the Oscars. Uh, is this is the first year since they've started doing what eight eight uh yes. nominate nominees yeah. or 10 10 10, eight? ten. I ten. think it's 10 uh multiple which more is too than much. five let's just say <laughs> which is which is too many in my opinion that, but go on that I have actually seen all but two. Oh yeah that's of right them because of streaming services now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind mm-hmm. of amazing mm-hmm. so I've seen everything except triangle of sadness and women talking and Tri- Triangle of Sadness literally dropped on Hulu this week. So yes, I will be watching just that. Just in time. So I will, and, the less, and then I just need to find women talking. And I could probably find that anywhere. I mean, I, I well, live with we uh, have We have one here. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, but you yes, know what's so interesting? Is we need like, more than one. Like she needs to talk to another woman. <laughs> Correct. And then I it's, could be. It has to be, it has to be plural. We, yes. we need another yeah, woman on the right. show. We're taking auditions <laughs> if anybody would. No, I'm just kidding. So I only had someone to talk to. Besides that, I have uh, women. No, no, I appreciate being the only woman because if 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 I don't watch something, then it's okay because it's just me. But if the other woman that was here watched it, then I wouldn't have. Well, it wouldn't be justified just, anymore. No, wait, no, but then it's still just you. I and I don't want that. I, I'm I'm okay with that. How it is oh, right now. It's it's okay if it's just you and you're the only woman. But as soon as another Correct. woman's here. Then it's you, not her. Correct. She doesn't want to be the one, the the odd man out, the odd woman. I don't. Out, I I'm yeah. already the odd man out right now, and it's okay. It, it I don't know why a, it's okay. In a trio, yeah. it doesn't work in a when there's four people. I guess yeah. it doesn't. It just yeah, four is a crowd at that point. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, I just I'm just saying, like, if you're interested, if you're one of those people who would like to see some of these movies before. Like, why then figure out why they're there? Um, 
we live in an age now where that's perfectly possible. Most of the time in the past, uh, they were still in the theaters right up to the last minute. And some Mm -hmm. of them came back out for that purpose, but yeah, it's really, it's really kind of neat. And women talking may be somewhere. And if you know where it is, uh, send me a message on Twitter or Instagram, whatever, so I can go and watch it. I'll find it. I have almost (laughs) all of the streaming channels. So I'm sure if it's out there, I'll find it somewhere. Hey, when I picked oh, up my dinner hi, at Tommy's, I saw some women there. There were some women yeah, talking. Were they at Tommy's. talking? You were yeah. talking. Yeah. What were they talking about? I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't eavesdropping. I was okay. more focused well, on see, picking up. This movie allows us to figure that out. What they're talking about. So oh my gosh! I, this movie I is going to. What would be hilarious is if there the- were absolutely zero women in the movie, and it was just men <laughs> talking, and talking. people would be like, "This movie has the mm-hmm. worst title That's I've right. ever it's- heard of." It's 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 a movie or about men talking about title. women talking. They do, or they drew you in, and it's not even about men or women. It's literally a talking oh my gosh, dog would, movie. With would kids, that be you know, would, one of those pet would, movies oh, where they're, they're it's you know, a meerkat, <laughs> a meerkat show. <laughs> it's meerkat show. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Um, talking would that meerkat. be false advertising? Um, is Meer- we don't. I mean, unless we're assuming meerkat Joe's ident- uh, uh, gender, um, I think we're okay. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't know, know where that was going. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, very excited about the Oscars. Very oh. disappointed not to be able to watch it uh, live. But uh, anyway, oh, you're going to see a magic carpet oh. ride. That's cool. Jeff, I'm going to shout out my friend Winter, who is supporting us. Thank you, Winter. Oh, Thank is you, that Winter. Oh, look at there. Hey, Aliyah. Hey. Um, <laughs> she's saying, hey. Heart, 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 heart. Yeah, a purple heart, heart a black heart, heart. heart, a purple heart, a black heart. Very cool. Um, yeah, we're uh, well, thanks for watching. That's awesome. We appreciate it. And she's, there's another hay. We got more hay from winter. We appreciate that. Um, we All are, the hay. Uh, we're going to get to our stories and our guests here in just a moment. But I do want to take a second to uh, talk about St. Baldrick's. I got a little QR code. Oh, my gosh. On my screen, the live is covering it. it is, I don't oh, know the live! Oh, mm-hmm. come I don't know on. if it is out there in uh, in the real world. I doubt it. I'm, would ge- be I'm guessing they designed no. it to be there. Yeah, right. um, I'm but anyway, no. say Baldrick's. I got a QR code up there. If you would like to scan that and donate, it is pediatric cancer research, for which I will be shaving my head on Friday, which will mm-hmm. be very exciting. And Friday, Friday, um, Friday. It will be my eleventh time uh, braving the shave, if you will. And um, yeah, <laughs> All, the shade. is that why that's you've been growing your it. hair that's out? What they call it. I love so it. yeah, that's why I am like, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I decided to go crazy and not wear my hat tonight so people could see how long it's getting. And the beard, of course, is out of control, as you can see, Grizzly mm-hmm. Adams things going on here. Um, but yeah, this is... Um, uh, the, all this is going to go away. So I, I let it start letting it grow out around November or December. Um, I don't know why it doesn't grow in the in the back uh it's it's all up here on the top of my head it's just there's no party fluff up here there's no party in the back which is crazy and we even talked about i think on on uh i'm promptly written that uh you know i i sported the mullet back in the high school days so i don't know why i can't grow it now it was a pretty thin it was a pretty thin mullet it wasn't a very it wasn't a mullet to be proud of i will say that like it was Uh. it was pretty weak (laughs) Four mullets mullet. at the time, so maybe it's just not my thing to have hair back there. But uh, anyway, maybe. it is what it is. It's um, very interesting because I had another dream about a guy with the mullet. Oh, 
do we want to go there or is that the end of the story? <laughs> oh no. Hey. I don't know. <laughs> I did. I had another dream about this guy with the bullet and then there was this hey, uh, guy with the mullet, that I had hey. a fight. <laughs> it was like a video game though. It was, yeah, it was like a video game. Wait, it was very interesting. <laughs> Okay. Like you were in the video game with mullet guy? Yeah, I was it. Or your plan? Yeah, well, the video... Okay, so the mullet guy, I was supposed to be preparing Wait, is all this your things. story? Are you starting... Is this the story well, you wrote? Yeah, wait, <laughs> no. Are we going to type I need to type this. I need to type this because this sounds like a better story than what I have. <laughs> no, Molly guy was, I was supposed to be preparing all Mullet of his guy. sandwiches <laughs> for his Wait, wedding what? or baby shower. And the the lady that was supposed to be helping the me didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, what, what kind of video game is this? I need to, hold on. We're getting to the video game part. We're getting to oh. the video game part. Oh, 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 the, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that I was supposed to be preparing his sandwiches and neither did the lady that was in the kitchen. <laughs> then, yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, we are doing the wedding or event or whatever. And it was outdoors. I walk into this tent and there's this like demon man guy with a purple sword. It's really long. And I'm trying to like I have to get him off of this platform. And, okay. you know, before he like stabs me. And then so, I did. I got him. But I jumped on job. this like 20 plus pl- uh, 20 plus point things, you know, and that's how I points. killed him. <laughs> that's how I killed him. All right. I got him. That's an like interesting, 20, uh, Ubisoft you thing here is working me. on that video game right now. It's like, 20 plus points. <laughs> this sounds like Diablo four is it's really it's maybe that could be the, yeah. you might have, if this is the plot of Diablo four, which has been secret for all oh my time, gosh, I, I think, well, yeah, I, think you ju- I think crazy. you just, ki- I think you just killed the skeleton King way quicker than Matt ever did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some bringing up some, uh, some spike that's work. A, that's a deep. Oh cut. no! <laughs> yeah, that's a deep. That's a deep cut. And Make people sure he who knows. have known us for a long time know what that means. But uh, <laughs> everyone else is not in on that joke, Utah. So that was. That's not nice. That's no, all right. Hey, like she's talking about and a twenty point plus. Thing. We got the reaction really from Matt that we wanted in the in the green room over there, so that was all good. Um, anyway, so Saint Baldrick's uh, donate above any amount would be great. Again, it's all for pediatric cancer research. My daughter uh, will once again be shaving uh, my head Friday morning at 6 a.m. on Channel 5, apparently. Um, I'm going to be on the news again. They they like to come very early, and I'm always there super early, and so I I, they're like, we need somebody to shave early, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going now. So, uh, it all depends if Rachel is going to get up that early and go. So, I may, if she's not there, then I may wait, but she may um, have other plans. Um, yeah, who knows? No, she's. I think she's planning to come, so we'll see. Anyway, St. Baldrick's. Uh, we'd love okay. it for you to give if you can. I'm w- even wearing the shirt tonight, which Look is at you, which is green, which is why I couldn't use the green screen tonight because obviously, uh, you know, with the, then uh, it, would, it would just, just be a kinda, floating head. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, basically, it was just like I could replace the green with all these different oh, colors oh, and things like that's that. That's a cool shirt you got. Look at this nice yeah. orange shirt I'm wearing now. How cool is that? Um, that's amazing. And then I even get World Gun Geek on there if I'm clever. If I stood up, <laughs> you could see it. Oh my God. Oh, look, there it is. <laughs> it's too high up. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, is it so. This is, it is, <laughs> definitely okay. is. All right, all right. All right, Moving so on. we're going to bring on our guests. Um, these guys host a podcast called Promptly Written, where they, again, write stories based on people's prompts uh, every <laughs> you month. use air quotes. Did I? I do that for everything. 
the here's my light. here's my co-host Utah, <laughs> and uh, Aliyah is over there. No, I don't know. It's just a thing because it's the name, and so I felt like They're there should be right. in quotes. But I guess it would be italicized or capitalized. I don't, I don't know, know. What the proper. Uh, I just find it funny that you they write as if they, as if they that's don't. That's why really I said write. it on the right. No, I didn't. <laughs> you did. I gotta play back the tape. You I, did actually, and it's very delayed I, on my end. So all that I is see so is funny. <laughs> that's funny. No, I totally don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> as they write, they, they they actually do write them, Jeff. <laughs> they sure do. And they're very um, good. I bet you, uh, so they write based on the prompts that, that people put in. And then they read them on the show and talk about the writing process. And it's a lot of fun. So we got together with them the other day. We recorded on their podcast. Uh, and now they are on ours. Please welcome Matt Shigarik and Matt Shigarik. <laughs> Matt Shigarik is here Ian. to listen to the stories that you wrote. Welcome, Ian. Uh, Thank you. No, we're Glad really to be here. Hello, guys. <laughs> Man, there was a whole lot packed into that first 16 minutes, man. No idea what was going on, to be honest with you. But apparently uh, there was an inside joke that I know nothing on. about. Oh, yeah, you had to bring up the skeleton cane. We'll t- yeah. No. Matt's the long story short, Matt's terrible at video games. There we go. So um so <laughs> Okay. But that's great because now I have Terrible. something to, to use games. as ammunition a little bit. I thought we were going to have fun today, not just attack Matt. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, it happened feel, like a decade ago. I feel I like that's only I fair because last ago. time... I, I think you're right. I think it, I think it has been about I, 10 years. This is only fair because last time it was attack Aaliyah. It, you came straight for the, the, the throat. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. I'll give you that. Hey, before before we go on, can I use the demon man guy with a purple sword in the story? <laughs> Right? Yes, I give you all autonomy. And Take don't forget it. the twenty. Don't forget the the twenty point plus thing, whatever that was. It was like yeah. twenty plus experience or something. Like, but all I know is oh, that I like was able to use it. Uh, yeah, or something okay. you have to grab. Okay. 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 No, I had to jump on it. It was like this white yeah. circle platform that okay. I had to jump on. Wow, it's like and it said twenty plus. I don't know, but I just know I had to jump on it to get the extra 20 points. To okay. Get all right. The demon guy off Big the Big purple sword guy and mullet, mullet man. Mullet guy. <laughs> Please. There's so, sounds like you've got your story, Matt. <laughs> I got to move all these cameras around because uh, it messes up my equilibrium when people are looking in the wrong direction to be a part of this. So I had to move Matt down here today. That would be useless for the next hour and a half. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, don't be, let's, let's, let's make use of you as soon as possible. Then tell us a little bit about promptly written and, uh, and you did a uh, how real, you guys got started. Tell you us. You did a real good job of summing it up. So like every month, Ian and I sit down, um, our listeners vote on or submit and vote on prompts. And then we have to write stories on the prompts. So after we get the prompt, we write a story and then, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we read them to each other and it, it's kind of fun because um I, my favorite part of it is just to see how different our stories are you know coming from the same three or four words you know what i mean yeah yeah that's and that's the cool thing yeah because they're usually especially between the two of you uh and just your the different styles that you guys write in the personalities you it's just they're usually two very unique stories from each other too. It's rare, rare that they're like right down the same same path at all, which is kind of interesting. What's yeah. also what's always fun is every so often you guys switch Flip up flop. expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh. And then all, all, yeah, and all of a sudden, like, oh, Matt, what a wholesome story that was. Ian, where <laughs> right. the heck yeah. did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the time, that was kind of the case this year, right? It, or this it, month, it, not this, this year, month, this month. It sure yeah. was. It's always my favorite when Ian starts off with, I don't know where this came from. <laughs> so then you know you're in for like a ride. You, 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 yeah, buckle you're, up. I'm always you're terrified. You're in for an dream. <laughs> that story, you know? My dreams are a lot better than my story, so. You should should call on those. Yeah, your dreams are very, like, vivid, it seems. I I can't tell you the last time I remember a dream that I had. Same. All I I dream all the time. I remember guy better be in your story. Oh, he's not in my story. In fact, we need a photo of Mullet Jeff. We need a what? A photo of Mullet Jeff. Oh, it's probably, it's probably oh, you mean, one of my you, high school photos. You mean mullet, Jeff? No, yeah. I mean the real. It, it was, this isn't I mean, like it was only about stories. collar it's length. <laughs> it was pretty, you know what I mean? Like I said, it was pretty wispy. For, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I liked that word. You were a youngster, though. So it was like an adolescent mullet. Uh, <laughs> it was in high school. Middle school. It was fully formed. Yeah. Not an adolescent. A teen mullet. A teen mullet. Uh, now that's, that's gonna a be story your title. <laughs> yep, right. <laughs> Writing that down <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so one of the things that uh, that we have also done in the last um, time we collaborated was we read a book together. The book we read was "The Pale Blue Eye" by uh, mm. Louis Bayard or Louis Bayard. I don't know how to pronounce Louis Louis Bayardi. Yeah. Um, I thought it was. That was a really fascinating book. Takes place kind of like back in the 1800s. Edgar Allan Poe is a cadet at West Point, and uh, this dude is uh, Gus Landor is called in to investigate Batman. not just the 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 hanging death of a cadet because they assume at first that's suicide, but his heart has been carved out of his body, and thus a mystery unfolds as they try to uncover what's going on and. Uh, uh, we we all I think kind of enjoyed it. If you are out there and you're listening or watching and you want to read that book or see the movie, um, spoilers possible ahead. I mean, I think we can try Ooh, yes. to be, as as I mean, if we spoil something, no big deal. I uh, just want people to know that we might, but we can try not to, I guess. But um, but uh, on your show, we talked about the actual book, yeah. and now um, has everybody had a chance to see the movie now? Yeah, 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 I did. I yeah. definitely so, fast forwarded through a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, so, did you? Did you? You watched it at one and a half times speed? Is that what you did? Yeah, which you can do on Netflix. I still which, did not know I, you can do this. I, like, do you I, have I, to be on a computer to do it, or can you do it with like on the TV app? Well, that's I, a good question. I don't that's know. That's a good question. I know you can do I it on the can, on the browser on the computer on the on the computer for sure. And I did try watching a little bit at one and a half times speed. And I'll tell you what, I don't know why it. it made me laugh but watching christian bale act at one and a half times speed made me laugh <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's good stuff um, yeah i thought it would be fun to watch it with the audio description on and it would be like we're just re- re- listening to the audio oh. book again <laughs> and just kind of like yeah not even pay attention to what's happening on the screen i um, normally watch the, or have the subtitles well right? typically Don't there are Typically, people will say that the books, the book is better than the movie a lot. That's kind of like the cliche is the book is better. Uh, I don't believe that's always the case because I have seen some times where they decided to go uh, into another format, whether it's TV or or movie. And they went in kind of a, you know, 
loosely based and went in a different direction. It was amazing. Dexter being a perfect example of that. The books are good on their own. It's a good one. Yeah. But the show was so much, had so much more uh, depth and, and uh, stuff going on it than the books did. But um, what do you guys think about this? So uh, the book was better. The movie was better. Um, I think I already know what some of you guys think because we've shared a little bit. The book was better. The book was, the the book was better for sure. I, I, I think I would say had I seen the movie first, I would not have been interested in, in reading the book at all. I agree with that. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. a fair statement. I think, yeah. I mean, I, so I actually had high hopes when the movie started. Like, I thought it started out really well and it had a really good tone. And I was really surprised to see some of the imagery that they, they showed because I wasn't expecting him to go there. Like, I wasn't expecting an overhead shot of a, of a corpse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of lost me. It just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, yeah for, I, I, it, it it had fidelity to the book very very much, and like for mm-hmm. for having done so, it was. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It, there were there were definitely lines and scenes and beats that were ripped brought off the pages of the book. But as a whole, I think the movie was disjointed. Like there were times where, yes, like Land Landor's in the tavern, and all of a sudden he's at dinner with the uh, with the family. I'm like, right. Well, Why? They, simpli- <laughs> they simplified his character a little bit, which I think was a smart move for the sake of sure. the film. You know, yeah, that makes sense. Like we didn't get a lot of his backstory, but I think overall casting was a big problem. Yes, in this movie, yes. um, I saw when I was reading the book, Colonel Thayer and um, Captain uh, Hitchcock. 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 I-, I felt like they were like very like assuming they like they were just like they were younger and i felt like they were like almost larger than life they were like people you didn't want to mess with and for thayer i couldn't stop picturing uh peter Pettigrew the whole time like i was like this guy's <laughs> sure, just a rat yeah. you know what i mean like and he he wasn't he wasn't i don't know he wasn't threatening at all he was he looked like yeah. it, he, he i mean like no offense to that guy but it, it was like almost like a human cartoon character mm. yeah i kept on i kept on thinking of the bishop from monty python um no oh, no no the, 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 no, no, the, the bi- inquisition not that one yeah, yeah, yeah not, no yeah, the, actually yeah i meant the bishop from uh princess bride oh I kept, mm-hmm. on, kept on imagining him you're right i kept on <laughs> Just because, just the way he was hunched over, and like you said, yeah. he was just not a very intimidating uh, character, which is what I pictured both Thayer and Hitchcock to be, were kind of like very much strong military men, very much, you know. Right, and yeah, the the military thing, they didn't feel military to me at all. Yeah, they I felt don't know. bureaucratic and, to me. And, and you know, it was periodic. It was, it was like a period piece. So, I mean, maybe that was what the military was like in 1830, but I would assume that they would have, I don't know. Like when you read the book, you, these cadets should be afraid of doing anything that's against the rules. And like, I wouldn't be afraid to do anything with these guys in charge. <laughs> like, right. right. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. I yeah. think I, uh, you know, I saw some of the some of you guys were saying it was kind of meh and things like that, and mm-hmm. that all came before I had a chance to see it. So I went into it with that like mindset, thinking, okay, well, some of the, some folks, you know, aren't uh, enthused about this. And the more I watched it, I wondered, and this is the this is the conundrum with every book that's ever been made into a movie, or vice versa, is I wonder if we would have 
seen the movie completely differently if we hadn't read the book. Like some I of the things, so. a fair point. Some of the things that we loved about the book that weren't in there—that's why it was meh. You know what I mean? Or that's a, because because let's face it, it's about it's written by a guy who who can write. Right. Mm. And uh, and then about a guy who can write Edgar Allan Poe. And there's some really great like Poe sequences we talked about that are callbacks and stuff. Really, really written in this cool style. It was sort of the way I felt like they could you would never be able to to make a proper movie or television show about the series of unfortunate events books. Because what was so great about, I don't know if any of you read those, but mm-hmm. what's great about them is the language, the way it's written, like the, yeah. the wordplay and things like that. And, and if you don't have, in the movie, it's just like things happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, unless you're just narrating straight from the book, it's like some of these funny ways that he would say things in the book that made it so fun, they're gone. It's like watching Dr. Seuss you know, play out like a law and order show or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like all Which the language is gone and it's a total different, you know? Yeah. Dun, dun. I, would, I would watch would that too. Would you eat that with a car? Would you eat that in a bar? Yeah. Ice would you tea, eat that on a train? You see Ice-T interrogating the, you know, Sam I am to find <laughs> yeah, exactly. out. Exactly. See, I, I could have supported Ice-T in this film. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, he would have been great. For sure. Yeah, totally. Totally. But yeah. when I, when I look at the movie, I think the same kind of thing. Minors. It's like this, yeah, this movie doesn't, it doesn't feature some of the stuff that I really kind of dug about the book, which was that, that language that was mm-hmm. used, you know what I mean? And that sucked me in. So it's automatically going to have not have that because it's a film unless it's a total, you know, narration bill. And I don't want right. that either, you know? So I don't know. I'm not saying it would be, we'd suddenly, we would love it. I'm just saying like, I think that may have also tainted our view a little bit. Absolutely. No, I, I think you're yeah. right. Um, I mean, even taking that into account though, at least for me, I felt like there were, it was jumping between scenes with really no kind of connective tissue, connective tissue Mm. between, Mm -hmm. you know, there were, there were times where I'm like, oh, uh, now we skipped over here and we don't have any explanation or why. Like the, the, the one that sticks out in my mind is all of a sudden we're at dinner with a family and I'm like, we were just like in the woods talking with Landor and now we're having dinner with a family with Landor and Poe. Yeah. yeah and there was no, no, no expo- exposition explanation. Or no, there wasn't even like a passing moment where they were like, Hey, come over for dinner tonight. <laughs> no, there was like, nothing. It was just like, yeah, boom. because like the last conversation that they had was, uh, Landor saying, I have a dinner I need to get to. And then that was it. And you and, know and, that and all it, that stuff is on the cutting room floor because I mean, it's a two, two hour and 10 minutes. It's already movie, a two hour movie. Yeah. Probably could have easily been like two and a half. And they're, it could they're, have been three. they were trying to yeah, avoid a lot of three. that stuff. Yeah. No, I think you're right that, that you, you, you hit it on the head. I'm positive that there is stuff on the cutting room floor that would have made uh, this movie make more sense. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. pacing was a big issue. I think it started out kind of on the right track, but then like, yeah. like what, how you were talking about Poe and just like how he spoke, like that deserves to be slowed down. Like you should hear that. Yeah. You need right. time to process that. And every time he was talking, it was like, I think his casting was good. He looked, but he was just like running through everything. You didn't even know. Like he looked the, the part, I but I didn't like it. him in the role. I don't think his delivery was wrong. And I, it, I didn't it was like, a little odd. I got um, used to it, but I didn't like Bale in the role either. Like I like him as an actor normally, but I don't, I did not see him as Lander at all. Yeah. I, I, well, I disagree about Henry Melling. I liked him as Edgar Allan Poe. I, mm-hmm. I liked his performance. The thing that threw me off though about it 
was I never thought of, which is something I never thought about. Historically, it's accurate, but I just never thought about it. I always assume every every poet, an accent. Uh, uh, every poet ever has a snooty British accent, right? <laughs> you just assume because they're hoity-toity and they're, but this guy's from the South, so he's not going to sound like that. And he, you know, and he's not Harvard educated right. or something, you know what I mean? And so when he started talking with a little bit of a drawl, at first I was like, who's this guy what's happening so that threw me off at first but as the movie progressed like i really started to enjoy him in the role again i felt like i, I mean i kind of agree about as far as like how it did feel rushed like a lot of his dialogue yeah they but, just need to slow him down but i love i, I did i loved how he like uh, portrayed the character. i thought it was kind of fun and there's a little bit of humor here and there you know it kind of had his expense which was which is good, but uh, mm-hmm. it's neat to see because he's Dudley from Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and uh, it was neat to see him in a in a completely different, very different you know, role. Yeah. Role. Um, so that was kind of cool too. I think. Um, but yeah, it was uh, overall. I I mean, I didn't, I can't say I didn't enjoy it, but it was just yeah, it's not something that I would rush out to see again for sure. I, I, yeah, I think I think. Go ahead. I, was, I think I think Ian I think Ian pretty much summarized it well, and the fact that. Um, not having read the book, if I watched, if I saw this movie, I don't think I would have been compelled to read the book, which is sad because right. the, the book, book is, is yeah. the book is good. Uh, yeah, the book was really great. Good. My yeah. question is, is like, if you watched the movie without reading the book, would you even like, well, would it make less <laughs> Yeah. That's the other question too. It felt, you know, it felt yeah, the, disjointed enough. I don't that, think, yeah. yeah. You knew why it was cohesive enough. The book. Yeah. Yeah. The build up yeah, to the reveal about the family um, wasn't there. It no, just was, no, you know, it, it just didn't happen at, at all. the end. It just like, oh, it just okay, like, that, oh, by the way. Yeah. 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 I feel I like, find, I definitely feel like. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Aaliyah. Go ahead, Aaliyah. Go ahead, woman. <laughs> woman talking. <laughs> go ahead. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say, I do feel like the only reason I was able to skip ahead like fast forward through a very large chunk of the movie was because I read the book and I would want to do the same thing, even if I didn't read the book, because I don't think like it wasn't (laughs) moving. And and ironically, Um, you probably fast forwarded through stuff that um, wasn't in the book anyway, or wasn't in the movie anyway, because the book was so much fuller in Mm. content. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I just don't think that it was very cohesive at all. Like without the book as a foundation, it wouldn't. I did find the, I did find the chain one change very interesting where they changed professor Pawpaw into a French guy instead of a native, (laughs) instead of a native American, which I assume they did because they didn't want to piss off, um, you know, any native Americans with, with a, you know, kind of, of its time representation of a Native right. American. Right. Um, but yeah, the fact that, you know, he was Professor Pepe and not Pawpaw was, I yeah. found kind of humorous. Yeah. I, I mean, I, that I, character, he was sort of his own, in his own little universe anyway, you know what I mean? Right. That was, like yeah. The, so the, what that was a change fingers? that would Y'all work. Did pay attention to that? His fingers? Like his fingernails, mm-hmm. they were so dirty. Oh. <laughs> I just couldn't get uh, over that fact. Well, everybody's fingernails were dirty in the 1800s, Aaliyah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of par for the course, I think, for, for that time. They were just so black. I feel like that was the only thing that I could focus on <laughs> when he was talking. It was just how black his fingers you, were. You don't remember the chapter of Gus Landor talking about how dirty everyone's nails were? <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing that was interesting is... Um, and again, without spoiling anything, 
obviously there's a there's a twist at the very end that mm-hmm. obviously if you've read the book you know is coming. So mm-hmm. I did kind of enjoy watching it from that perspective, trying to f- spot the things that might um, point to that. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? that I that I missed obviously when I was reading the book, but now I have a chance to see it. Maybe I can mm-hmm. pick those things out. And there were a few things that were really I was like, because I was watching it with my <laughs> wife and daughter, and I would see something and I'd be like, <laughs> that, yeah, you don't know what that means. <laughs> But I do. And I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, like there was, you know what I mean? So there's a couple little things. There's, there's other, other movies that are like that, where you, you know, the twist at the end, you know, like uh, Sixth Sense. Like if you watch that again, it's a whole different experience to be able to see Mm -hmm. how often he gave the whole story away and you just didn't even notice because he was so well paced. But um, yeah, so that was kind of fun, I guess. So so your wife and, (laughs) and daughter watched it with you? Yeah, and I'm assuming yeah. they hadn't read the book. So what did they no. think? Were they like yeah, overall unimpressed? No, they that was okay. Yeah, they okay. weren't like gushing over it, but they, I mean, they enjoyed it. It was like okay, that was a neat mystery. You know, okay. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that the movie didn't have the scene that I was kind of looking forward to to see how they did, which was the whole fighting with the saber in the closet. In the closet. Oh, I right. was waiting yeah. for that too. Mm, like I was, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of looking forward to see how they did that and they just totally skipped it that was a bit of a disappointing change because they what they just found him rummaging around right and they they didn't even explain why he was doing it either if i recall yeah Yeah, so well yeah except that once we know the twist we can kind of guess why he was trying to speaking of the coat like stuff to pin you know were military uniforms really that color in 1830 i i don't know it seems ridiculous. Uh, they were like bright blue and yellow. Like, why would you well, wear sure. something like that? That's not like. Well, I mean, well, you have to remember. You have to remember. I mean, you know, it I goes along. Bill- it goes Go along with the combat tactics of the time, right? I mean, who, yeah. who in the right yeah, mind the now would and- would line up in a straight line and then line up in a straight line and then shoot at each other and keep on doing right. that until there's nobody left? <laughs> so I feel like I feel <laughs> not like with the accuracy of weapons today, you know? right? Exactly. But, but I feel like you know, it'd be over back four th- seconds. It could be just right. a cadet. Thing. To maybe like you know, hey, That's here's true. your, your uniform, you thing. clean and like you know, presentation. Well, and yeah. All that. yeah, but even the captain. Well, if you think about it, my dad was like, in the Marines and he had a very sharp blue. They didn't wear that for dress in, like, uniforms, right? Yeah. Like he didn't yeah. wear it like in Viet when he was over in Vietnam. You know what I mean? Sure. It was a totally different. Gosh, uh, I hope out, you know what he wore over Cleaning there. Cleaning bills be outrageous. So I, I imagine that was the dress uniform of the officer or whatever he was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that yeah. would be that would be I my can't guess. Even, can't even imagine trying to keep patent leather shoes clean in the jungle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I also wasn't expecting it. I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting it to be snowing. And I might have missed that in the book. I, I don't. I, I probably it was October, did, November, December. Yeah, it was I think October, the dates November. were in the book. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. The dates. The I don't opening know why. shot did surprise me, though, because I distinctly remember uh, in the beginning of the book, I think Landor mentioned that it was, they were having an Indian summer. And oh, so right, when yeah. the movie when the movie started with him, you know, in the snow in the river and all that, that, that kind of surprised okay. me. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the dates are you know October, November, October, December. Yeah. Of I think it ended in December, whatever. right? Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So. Well, the movie paces a lot quicker too. Like it all yeah. happens in a shorter amount of time, so they needed it to already be winter, I guess. Especially since they're using that ice house and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it would uh, mm-hmm. typically be used, you know, to keep stuff cold uh the ice house was a lot bigger than i envisioned brutal scenes there with uh 
getting whacked in the head with the yeah, yeah wow, crazy. They're, they're, collapsing. They're, yeah, a little more, little more graphic than I expected. Yeah, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciated that. it though. <laughs> Did you yeah. find some of the di- I, some of the dialogue I felt was a little out of place. It sounded too modern with how I would imagine them speaking. You can just a couple see, lines here and there. Yeah. yeah, you could definitely tell what was like added or written by the screenwriter or adapted versus what they took right out of the book. I felt like there was a definite definite difference in vocabulary and cadence. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Christian, I, I felt like Christian Bale was just playing Christian Bale. Um, yeah. I don't know what he was like, playing. I thought he was very, in, like his delivery was really inconsistent. Sometimes it felt like he was kind of getting into a character. And then other times I was like, maybe more, more Christian Bale. In some it kind of makes me but, wonder about just like the Netflix production kind of thing. Like, was because this was like a straight, this almost like a straight to DVD movie, you know, from back in the day, kind of, right? Like, yeah, I, mean, I guess for all intents and well, it wasn't just released in theaters for like a week or two. Yeah, oh, was it? Was it? That's the way the productions are done now. Like they, I mean, we think about Netflix production, what, uh, several I mean, of them nominated studio. for Oscars, you know what I mean? Right, right. right. Uh, the Scorsese, um, one with the really bad deep fakes. Oh, the de-aging. <laughs> um, See, if you would have given this to Scorsese, we would have had a film on our hands. That could be interesting. But Maybe. What, what was the one that he made with, uh, well, he made it with, with the oh, same with guy who always makes it. With De Niro and Pesci, right? Yeah, yeah the de-aging I never one. watched Which it because it was Which movie did he like, make with De Niro and Pesci? <laughs> it was like 14 <laughs> hours long, right? All of them? Um, yeah, it was It was actually, it was actually you know, really good. The CGI on the deep fake uh, de-aging was pretty bad, but um, it was a pretty good story. The Irishman, that was it. Um, so that was uh, you know, nominated for Oscars. It was pretty, it was pretty excellent. Um, but, but yeah, way too long. Um, but uh, yeah, Netflix. Oh, sure, says you feel. I mean, they're they're making they're making good quality movies. I don't know if you've had a chance to see Glass Onion yet. Um, I have. Well, that's a, that out. is great. It's phenomenal. It's so yeah, good. That's great. And yeah. that's the same thing. Netflix that was out in theaters for a little while, and then it's yeah. on Netflix right away. So. Um, that's kind of their, their formula and gotcha. it's working, I guess. I am on the Benoit LeBlanc bandwagon. Oh, so same. Was it better any. than Knives Out? Mm, diff- um, I wouldn't say it was better. I, I only saw parts of it. And yeah, the parts I, I saw, I would say Knives Out was better. I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say it was better than Knives Out, but it was very close it was okay. very close to being Knives that out. good because well, and Knives Out has the you know has the advantage of being the first one, right? Like everybody yeah. went in not expecting it, but now I got Now we're expecting something, so it might be a better overall written and acted mystery. But Glass Onion is more rewatchable for me. Like I would yeah, watch Glass would Onion again in a heartbeat if you wanted to watch it. Okay, um, even though I know how it's going to end, you know what I mean. Like I'm ready to watch. It was I, it was more entertaining. Like the characters were just I thought were it more, had a lighter tone. It had a lighter it, tone to exactly, it for sure. Yeah, it was a little bit more entertaining. But yeah, yeah. anyway. So that's not the the book that we read though. So I um um uh but I, you know one more little pitch from that though Ryan Johnson who directed both of those also put out a show on Peacock called Poker Face with the incredible yes, Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. And that is the best new show of 2023. It I is need to watch it. Phenomenal. Some of the episodes are better than others, but yeah, it's, it's entertaining. Yes, yes. but yeah, I am it's so loving. 
I love her character. It's it's Columbo. If if Natasha Leone was Columbo, basically, <laughs> it's a mix, which is which is it's fantastic. So great. Yeah, and that yeah, she could that's like, on our list. M- mysteriously psychically um, right you tell know, us like, your... detect BS. You know, uh, Columbo could kind of do that too. You know what I mean? And that's why. And they're both all in, uh, obnoxious all and annoying to the people that they're investigating, which is just the best. Anyway, and I love Natasha Leone. She's so fun. She's um, great. Anyway. That's a total separate thing. So overall, I think we're saying obviously the book is better if you're into that. Um, if you're not into either the book, the movie is just you know average enough that if you're you know want a, a mystery, it's it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's, it's a waste. Okay. Nothing to write home about. Yeah, I, mean, but I, it, yeah, it, I enjoyed it, it enough it, that I you know. Yeah, you know, it's on Netflix. If you've got nothing else that you feel like watching, then go ahead and. Oh, and, and it's a and decent just, mystery. I do like the twist. I mean, it's it's it has it's a, a nice twist. Yeah, it does have a nice twist. I will say, as an aside, just yesterday I was looking at Netflix, and how, why is RIPD one of the top the number one movie on Netflix? <laughs> the the original or the new one? They the original. Uh, oh, they just made a new one that doesn't yeah. have Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. No, Mm-mm. then it's that's like probably a why. Kind of thing. Then that's probably why it's number one. Okay, okay. that makes sense now. Because I'm like, yeah. we were flipping through, and Karen's like, RIPD. I'm like. Why yeah. is that number one this week? <laughs> I think it's a prequel, if I remember correctly. I like the whatever the I don't remember who's in it besides Ryan Reynolds, who's the cowboy, um, Jeff Bridges or somebody Jeff like Bridges. that. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it Jeff Bridges? I'm, yeah, it was Jeff it's, Bridges. I've never it's seen him this. when he was a younger cowboy or something like that. Or something. Interesting. Okay. So it's not. Right. So that that makes sense then. That would be why it was number one. Because it I'm like, it's from like twenty, it's like from a decade ago, literally. The original, yeah. It was okay. Well, a, lot, I mean, a lot of stuff does trend on Netflix that way, though, right? It comes out, they they finally get it on the streaming network, and all of a sudden it's like, poof, has renewed life. Yeah. I've seen that happen to a couple different movies. It's kind of interesting, but not that one. <laughs> but, not, but not RIPD. I mean, it, no, really, I don't I mean, it was it was an Shrek, average. Shrek had a big comeback for a while, I think. Like, it was mm. one of the top it, movies. It was when rightfully it so. Yeah, when it, when it popped into streaming, like, people just, like, binged the crap out of it and watched it a sure. bunch. Sure, sure, um, yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, so that concludes our little movie review. Unless you guys have any last thing that you want to throw out about it. Concludes. All right. Yeah, that concludes the movie review part. Um, So I think I think we got to do these stories, right? Again, the the uh, the the prompt was. Uh, just Matt, you just decided it was going to be, or tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, normally we put the prompt out, but I just like, sometimes like, I just like brain fart kind of thing. And I mean, we'll be like getting ready to record and be like, Oh my God, I didn't put a poll out. And it was so late. I was like, you know what? These guys try to throw us with a loop on the prompts all what? the time <laughs> with your your awfully suggestive themes that, that come saw. through. What? But yeah. um, wow. so I was like, you know what? We're just gonna wow. make it a tribute to these guys, and we're just gonna call it World Gone Geek and see what they can I do. Definitely feel like I got the bad end of that stick. That's funny because last year wasn't last year kind of a mistake on the poll too for the prompt. Yeah. Yeah, we we tend to make mistakes. I mean, oh, I yeah, that was go. the one where you it where was you, option one, and you messed up. One. Oh yeah, <laughs> because you left that the the default option in there, and there was a yeah, that's, the that was my option bad. one one. That it's was kind of funny though. I think that needs was to be funny. a trend. I think we need to have some sort of it, it needs to be a mishap every year uh, now. Yeah. Or it's not. I think so because it wouldn't be World Gun Geek if there weren't some sort of technical difficulties. Right. So anyway, but I don't know who wants to go first. I I mean, if, you know, 
Yeah, who wants I to can go first because mine's probably the shortest one. All right. And then that way I can, you know, get it out of the way. And, and, All right. and I don't know. I don't know who's next after that. I was going to say I will, somebody could. I will go next. I feel like we Why should end with Jeff last? because, his, last, last because yours is so probably very good. And I feel like I, should. I don't know about. Well, I have a lot of like preface that I need to talk about before I read mine. Oh. So wait, what? Yeah, mine yeah. does not. All I need to say the, is we need to. Does, yeah, I just want to explain kind of where it came from. Is that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, is that like uh part, part of your word count or no? No, it does not count. All right. Well then you right. tell you, I guess, yeah, you'll, you'll go first. I will, sure. uh, make you set you, up my reading, uh, I will reading centralize you. Here. I will, um, I think I'll actually just take everybody offline. So we're just listening and, uh, we don't get any background noise by accident. So, oops, now it's on me. I turned you off instead of me. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate that. No. All right. Okay. Um, this is a short story. It's about 1450 words. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, probably, uh, before it went live, I found that if I kept on going, then I would just keep on going and going and it wouldn't be ready, uh, for presentation. So I decided to err on the side of conciseness. And so here we go. The title of my story is Kick Davit. I am a huge fan of Kick Davit, the most prolific interviewer of a generation. He ended up interviewing over 5,000 guests in the 20 year run of his original show. He had a knack for getting guests that didn't normally do in depth interviews. There's a certain trust that he instilled in his guests, which usually resulted in some incredible interviews. From heads of state, introverted celebrities, to pioneers in their fields, Kick Davit has talked to them. His last interview was 30 years ago with a man named Timmy Jingle, who's probably long dead by now. Was he a comedian? Maybe a reporter. I honestly don't remember. What I do remember is wondering why... He was the final guest of the critically acclaimed Kick David show. Maybe Mr. David didn't know it would be the last show, so he didn't think about booking a really memorable guest. Uh, now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Timmy Jingle wasn't a worthy guest. I mean, he was deemed worthy of an interview by the great Kick David. In any case, I don't know why Mr. David decided to come out of retirement, but I couldn't pass up seeing his interview show in person. I don't even care who the guests are. I just want to experience the master interviewer in action. The venue was an old-fashioned small theater. I, I say old-fashioned because it wasn't like your typical contemporary theater where you're scanned as you walk through the door and you find yourself already in the theater and you just go directly to your seat. This theater had an actual lobby and ticket takers, even if they were synthetics. Their rubbery skin revealed their vintage as older models a generation or two back. Back then, they were allegedly designed to purposely not look human to ease the fears of those who didn't trust synths. That's what we called them back then. There was a large contingent of society that just couldn't bring itself to trust these new contraptions. Even though synths could do all the jobs that humans didn't want to do and without complaining, it took a lot of convincing. So many tests 
so many studies, so many ads, all trying to sell the same thing ad infinitum. Synths are safe. You'd think that a generation brought up on Disney's audio animatronic figures would be more accepting, but I guess the difference was that unlike those Disney figures, synths could roam freely and interact unscripted among us. Ultimately, it didn't take long for a generation of kids who grew up in a world with synths to take their existence for granted. And many of those kids became the very people that would advance synth tech into what it is today. Other than their eyes, synths now look and act quite human. The eyes were the only concession to ease any fears that synths could blend in with the rest of us. The eyes were required to not look human. The method was left up to the manufacturer, of which there were really only the big three. Tsuyu Corp, Honda, and Kinseotech. They're all basically the same, but Kinseotech has a certain cachet. An American company, a diverse leadership team, and somehow their synths were considered the closest to being almost human. I found my seat and sat down, ready for an insightful and enlightening interview. None of us knew what to expect since the topic and guests weren't revealed yet. But the house lights went out, so we were about to find out. Good evening, everyone. In case you've forgotten, I'm Kick Davit, and welcome to my show. Uproarious applause lasted for a few minutes. It seems I wasn't the only one excited to see Mr. Davit come out of retirement. Thank you, thank you. Tonight is hopefully the first of many to come, as I found myself bored with retirement, and I became aware of some interesting developments that I wanted to explore. So why not bring all of you along with me? Are you ready? More uproarious applause. This felt more like a concert. Tonight, I have two people at the top of their respective games, and we're going to delve into an age-old topic. What is sentience? Let's meet our guests. A preeminent expert in philosophy and the relationship of thoughts, ideas, and the real world, he studied not only the human condition, but the human psyche as well. Please welcome Professor of Philosophy and Thought at Cambridge University, Dr. Fef Jord. And the woman who not only invented tech to improve synths by leaps and bounds, but is also one of the loudest advocates for synth acceptance in society. Chief Engineering Officer of Kensio Tech, Dr. Salia Atafin. Thank you both for being here and welcome. A pleasure to be here. Or is it? Dr. Jorod joked. Thank you for the invite, said a much more serious Dr. Atafan. So, let's get right to it. What is sentience? How do we judge what beings have it and what do we do with them? Dr. Jord jumped at the chance to speak. Well, the widely accepted definition of sentience is having the capacity to experience feelings, emotions, some would even say sensations. But how does one prove any of that? How does one create a test that truly shows those capacities? And is this hypothetical test universal? Would it work on both natural and synthetic beings? And what do we do if or when a subject passes the test? How does that change our behavior and thoughts towards the subject? 
What legal ramifications would there be? What moral ramifications would there be? Is just being sentient enough? Do we take a step further and consider not just sentience, but consciousness? Where are the goalposts and would we continually move them? Should we frame these questions to focus strictly on synths in particular? What would happen if synths became conscious? Would that be a result of them learning to be conscious? Or would they be programmed with it from the get-go? Can you imagine if either were the case? The world as we know it would go poof. Dr. Jord did a hand dance while saying that, reminding me of Doug Henning doing close-up magic on one of those television specials that we were all watching and were all the rage back then. It's magic, he'd always say. Or at least, that's how I remembered it. Our world's gone. Geek. Dr. Adafin just looked at him and uttered that one single word. I chuckled at the declaration and laughter started to ripple through the audience. But as I slowly stopped, the laughter around me became louder and more spirited until it started to sound more like cackling. People's mouths started eerily moving out of sync with the sound. What in the hell is happening? I thought to myself, looking around nervously. Before I finished that thought, I started hearing a ripping sound, but with a moist squelch to it. It was then I noticed that everyone in the audience was turning their head to face me like old ventriculous dummies. And the sound of tearing flesh was from those that had to turn their head an unnatural amount that may be normal for owls, but not for human beings. As the cackling continued, I could see the flesh on some of these people slowly sliding off their skulls, revealing something that was definitely not human bone underneath. They were synthetic. But how? And why? I was frozen in a panic, knowing I had to get out of there, but made immobile by the sheer shock of what I was witnessing. A quick glance to the stage made me even more confused, as each person was in their own different states. Dr. Jord looked like a deer in headlights, not moving an inch, even as cackling audience members waved their maid to the stage. Dr. Adifan was calmly sitting in her chair, taking it all in with a wry smile on her face. And Mr. Davitt, well, it seems he was in denial, as he carried on as if nothing out of the ordinary was happening. Doesn't he hear the cackling? Doesn't he see the heads turning? Over the cacophony, I could hear Mr. Davitt say, please tune in next week when my guests will be Sat McGarrick and Liam Lewis, who will discuss the importance of the pen and watch in human history. Hearing that somehow finally broke me free from my frozen state of frightened disbelief, and I started to quickly stagger to the exit. The sound of footsteps behind me. And scene. Bravo, Sat McGarrick, and what did you say, Liam Lewis? Liam Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) The the only thing that that I will say is I loved all those reverse names, but you you it was a missed opportunity for Hug Denning. That's true. This is very true. Yeah. Yes. uh, 
I will revive. That's 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 what got me at the beginning. (laughs) It took me. It took me. uh, It's funny because you said it several times in the at the beginning, which yeah, in in like good ways. Like it was like I liked the repetitive, the repeating of the name, the way you like kind of laid that out. But it took several of those for me to finally get what is he saying? Kick Cavett. I don't know that name. (laughs) And then it finally hit hit me. Dick Cavett is one of the premier interviewers of our time. So indeed. Yeah, but it well took done. it took me. I'm like, that's an interesting choice for a name. Like, why did he do that? And then I, it finally hit me. And then when you got to to Fef Jord, I was a little. It, bit, it uh, took me until you said it. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. But I, but I will say this. There, the uh, so I wrote this down when you were that when uh, he asks the question that Dr. Jord jumped at the chance to talk. And I'm wondering if, if is that art imitating life? Um, was that a comment on how I'm always like one of the first ones to, to try to, um, I'm not saying that it's art imitating life, but perhaps I was inspired by. <laughs> what was mine? Because I, so I was like, wow, that sounds finish. like, yeah, I was like, wow, that sounds really like, very similar to my name. <laughs> oh, it's, it's too funny. That's great. Uh, no, so Leah What always gets me with Utah, especially, is like the performance, the performance. like the level yeah. of the it's performance. Fun. It's like profound. a true thespian. <laughs> like, and I can't, I can't help it. It, no, it was fantastic. And, <laughs> and I always love, like, I always look forward to see how people are going to use the prompt. And when well, you say we're well. gone, oh, and then all of a sudden there's like a little geek. geek. <laughs> <laughs> At first I thought your story was done. Like, I'm like, like, I literally hesitated, like, was he just, was he like teasing us by ending it without finishing? It's kind of like, uh, Avengers. And then the credits roll. I thought that's what you were doing. And then, then when you said geek, I lost it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, was that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. So that's there, an interesting. So you're hearing on the torch though of, uh, the, some, some of the common, uh, themes in, in the stories that I've been doing on our side the past well, couple of months. For sure. And I was happy to see that. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I, I found a, an, another prompt hidden away in, in your narrative there. I think I expect oh, nice. to see, I expect to see moist squelch <laughs> as um, <laughs> showing up a in a visual. pool one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was, it was funny too, because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just, this is just flowing out and I'm like, okay, there's a ripping, there's a tearing. There's got to be a more descriptive uh, way of, of, of saying this to kind of, and, and as much as I, I hate the word moist, it, it <laughs> was just kind of perfect for, for that specific spot. I was just going to say like 95% of the time that the word moist ends up on the page, it usually ends up getting removed for something else because I feel dirty every time I say it. <laughs> like, it's not yeah, the most it, pleasant of uh, choices for a word. It's not, no, no, but it, it, it somehow, but it somehow fit right there. And yeah, so I didn't, I, I well. kept it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's, there's a part, there's a part in my story where a moist squelch would have fit perfectly now that I'm <laughs> nice. I'm See? wondering See? if I can work that in. Uh, there we go. And that's a new hashtag, part. hashtag moist squelch. It's, it's probably a pretty good band name too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's a very good band name. <laughs> can you imagine yeah. just Dibs. like, Dibs. ladies and gentlemen, 
moist squelch. <laughs> Put your hands together no, my for. My question is, what genre of music does this band play? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I've never described Classical. music as moist before, so I guess it's like some sort of new interpretation. Like, okay. um, they probably play something like damn. Maybe it's rock. like Scott. I'm thinking they like open for Swamp Rock, rock or something. Like swamp Rock like, isn't Swamp Rock a thing? It might be. Probably. If not, it could be. Well, moist squelch, squelch. and swamp a- rock. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I also originally thought that moist squelch might have been redundant, but then I thought about it more, and I'm like, no, you know what? It it works. It kind of it kind of fits too well. I didn't want to mess with it. So. No, I applaud you for. Well, if you had just said it was a squelch, I'd have been like, yeah, but was it dry? <laughs> right. Yeah. Was because it a dry squelch? That's really. I mean, you're le- like that's you left me hanging with what kind of squelch it was. I need um, more description. Yeah, that is yeah, often when I hear the word so squelch, I'm just waiting for somebody like, well, was it moist? <laughs> exactly. It's, There's it's so all, many. You know, it's it's like peanut butter and chocolate, right? I mean, it, was just, it was it a warm squelch? Like we don't know if you don't right. tell us. So. Yeah, a warm, moist squelch. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we're, so we're off good. the rails, man. <laughs> um, no, I thought that was really cool. No, I, I thought liked, it was, uh, Where'd it come from? Like, yeah, what, uh, tell us about your inspiration. So it's funny, uh, and I don't know how, how you guys do it usually with prompts, but this time around I found myself thinking, all right, here's the prompt, World Gone Geek, World Gone Geek. What can I, how do I end up at World Gone Geek? And, you know, the obvious one, um, which is something that I was going to start with was, well, I mean, the definition, the whole point of, of our name, World Gone Geek, is the world has gone geek, right? Um, all of a sudden, geek, uh, nerd, uh, all those interests have become more acceptable. And so the world has kind of gone that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, well, there's got to be another another way to get to that and somehow use it. And so I started messing around with, well, what if we just, can can I split it up somehow? And then I can't, I got to world gone and then geek. And so I'm like, okay, so then somebody has to make a statement that ends with some form of world gone. And then somebody has to call them out as a geek. So then, and then I built from there. So I kind of built it from the end forward. Gotcha. Um, and so, and then it originally was just going to be an interview show with Dick Cavett. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to switch letters around because I'm lazy and I only have, you know, two days to do this. So uh, <laughs> uh, to be fair, you had a month. Yeah, yeah no, true. no, 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 I'm not. It's, it, it's all on me. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a procrastinist by nature. Uh, I'm one of the most optimistic people in the world because there's always later, always tomorrow. Yeah. That's um, me too. Uh, and so, you know, originally it was just going to be like kind of an interview show and that's, it was going to end with kind of basically what happened, which was, you know, poof, somehow one, one guest was going to say, poof, the world's gone. And then the other person was just going to call him a geek. Um, and then I don't know where this whole sci-fi horror robots turning their heads around to face you came from, but I just, after I did that last line of world's poof, world's gone and geek, it, it just kind of started coming out of my fingers. And I'm like, oh, I need to, I really started digging it too. I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of a really cool visual. I kind of like mm-hmm. w- want to use it somehow. And so, that's but 
But you can also see how, like, I wanted to continue that story. I want to continue on in this world. I wanted to flesh out a little bit more. Um, But then I I would still be typing. (laughs) So, Well, I mean, just keep going now. You got to start it. I mean, that's to me, that's That's what these prompts are all about, right? Like, it's um, what I I mean, I will definitely say, and uh, I mean, I'll credit you guys, Matt and Ian, for reigniting my passion for like telling stories. Like I've always wanted to be a, a writer when I was younger in high school. You couldn't stop me. Like I wrote so much crap, man. And then I wrote stories for for um, English in college that I just, you know, still remember and couldn't find if I wanted to now. But uh, I just absolutely loved it. And then there was just a point where I like stopped and I just you know what I mean like I still had mm-hmm. stories popping into my head but at that point I'm thinking well I'm gonna make a movie about that someday you know because I'm doing video mm-hmm. and that's like my focus now but um yeah when when we did this story last year I was like this was a great experience to write this and so um I literally started taking inspiration from all kinds of different places and just writing down ideas now. And I'm, my hope is to put together like a short story compilation of my own at some point. That's awesome. Um, nice, but, nice. Uh, yeah. And, it, and it's just, it's funny how a prompt can do that. You know what I mean? Like it was just mm-hmm. a goofy prompt, but it, mm-hmm. um, especially that one. But for me, that story last year <laughs> was even, it was kind of personal even, you know what I mean? From such a silly idea sure. became something, you know, super personal Cathartic. to me. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is great. Like, you know, it's so I was like trying, um, I'm constantly inspired by songs and song titles and things like that. So I've got a whole, I've got several playlists that will lead to uh, short story compilations. I've decided like, nice. this, this playlist is I this book that. and this. Playlist. <laughs> so Very yeah, I've cool. got books planned out for the next eight years, but I'll, <laughs> you know, we'll see if I ever get around to write. <laughs> but no, it's been, it's a great, uh, to have that process. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm with what you said, Matt, uh, if you, I mean, I hope that Utah, that you'll continue that as well. I hope that that, mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what you want to do, I mean, maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> You're like, that was enough for me. I don't know. I might just end it at moist squelch. I'm not sure I can yeah. go any further than that. <laughs> you have to expound upon moist squelch now. In fact, that should be the name of the book. Yeah, that That's going to be, be the, title. the title of my collection. Moist, yes. moist squelch. I don't know, man. You. If I saw a book on a shelf called moist squelch, I would approach with caution. Like, you would <laughs> buy it. You know you would. You would buy it sight and see. No, Matt would have it pre-ordered. He'd like, like, want a signed copy. Uh, I'd have to pull it out like a little bit just to kind of see what was on the cover. And if there was well, like, you know, a Fabio I would, I would, type, I would, I'd just like kind I, of like push it back in. I, 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 would, I, would, totally work with, I would totally work with a publisher to have like some sort of coating on, on the book cover so that it wasn't dry. It felt a little. Oh, dude. You know, oh, that oh. just creeped me out. Like, no. My hands like immediately got clammy just thinking about that. It's so gross. <laughs> All right. Well, in the interest I of mean, time, I love, I love, it, but that's I, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's move on. Is this so? Do we? Do you want to go next? You t- or uh, Aaliyah? Is that? What? Yeah, sure. I'll go next. Yeah. Can you read that again? <laughs> She's talking. Can Aaliyah's you just like, read yeah, read it again story? and just say it's me now. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> so I do not have to read my story. I feel like I should definitely preface by saying I haven't. Oh, like obviously last too? year. <laughs> It, yeah. my, <laughs> this just needs to be a preface about uh, this story because, yeah. Uh, last year, obviously, I wrote a very short poem. 
It was a lovely poem. It was awesome, though. I remember being quite moved with that yeah, poem. Yeah, it was good. I think the poem was really good. And you know oh. Matt in poems. I mean, yeah, that's it takes true. a lot. If I can get Matt in a poem, then I feel like it was a job well done for sure. Uh, 100% of the time, though, 100% of the time, though, a poem being read by the poet is way better than me reading a poem by the poet, like in a book. It's just not the same. When someone is saying it, it's like, that's cool because you're giving it the the meter and the and the cadence it's supposed yeah. to have. And I don't always know what to do with the words on the paper. That's my problem with poetry. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so mm-hmm. uh yeah. Especially so when you if read there's that, no punctuation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's very true. Because <laughs> I don't know. But I will say that I have not actually written a story in well over 10 years. So this is definitely the the first one. So show well, me loads good. Of, Show me loads of grace. Hey, these are uh, all of these are likely to be first drafts. I can't imagine For that sure. we wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't publish the one I wrote last year unless I went back and like did some things to it. I might even make it a little longer. You know what I mean? I mean, so absolutely, this may, is a first draft type of thing. So that's where we're coming from. It's all good. Okay, cool. I don't, I didn't know what to title this. So I'm just going to leave it up to you guys at the end. I'm really bad with so, titles. So untitled is what you're saying. Yeah, it's untitled right, right now. Uh, okay. He wanted me to say that the idea was dangerous and, ad- and admit that I was too scared. And to appease him, I almost did. But if I'm being honest, friends, the idea was simple. I wasn't scared and it wasn't dangerous it was maddeningly exhilarating, and I knew exactly what I was going to do. But let's start at the beginning, shall we? In previous years, Sloane wasn't much of an adventurer. In fact, she was the exact opposite. Faithfully shy, quiet, and the embodiment of every introverted woman, except for when she was behind the mic. Behind the mic, she was faithfully bold, courageous, and loud. In high school, Sloane loved every minute of her double life. For years, she constantly floated between the two effortlessly and never really looked back as the feeling of being two different people was revitalizing. However, as she got older, now at a youthful age of 28, her two lives already collided and her podcast that was once just for fun grew. People listened regularly and to Sloan's surprise, her followers were dedicated, active, and constantly wanting more. The I Am Woman podcast was born from a place of eagerly eagerly desiring other introverted women to be seen, heard, felt, and loved by, well, other women of God, but with a twist. Sloane Sloan urged herself to, yes, discuss the many intricacies of her womandom, but knew she must intertwine that with her love for nerdcore. One of the biggest things Sloane had always admired from a distance, but admired nonetheless, was how fearless women of God could be. I mean, evangelism, participating on the worship team or engaging in discipleship, becoming an an avid faith-based Twitch streamer. Those ideas alone were enough to give Sloan an introvert attack. That's what she called being extremely overwhelmed by extrovert activities. She never dared, but faithfully prayed to be that woman, bold, courageous, and loud. And on June 10th, 2023, God answered that prayer 10 times over. I can't believe it has officially been 10 years since God strategically and intentionally entrusted me, the introverted Sloan, with the I Am Woman podcast. Sloan exclaimed into the mic, we have come so far, women. And as many of you already know, World Gone Geek Fest is this weekend. 
Hopefully, I will see many of you there since I'll be broadcasting live. And with that, we close out this week's episode. I'll see you all Saturday. Bye, women. Even as the words rolled off her tongue, she was still in complete shock. Sitting at the desk her mother, now passed, bought her, she thought, World Gone Geek Fest is the biggest faith-based gaming slash nerdcore festival in the country created by women. And not only am I going to be broadcasting live, I'm a featured panelist and nominee for the podcast of the year. As Sloan drifted off into a deeper thought about the upcoming weekend festivities, the door crept open. Jolting her from her train of thought, Zelda, Sloane's three-year-old cat, plopped herself onto her lap, making herself increasingly more comfortable. Sloane stroked her calico feline's friend's fur, accurately prompting the loud purring reaction. Sloane thought to herself again, what am I going to do if he's there? That was the one thought that repeatedly escaped her mind, and for good reason. See, although World Gone Geek Fest was created by women, it was facilitated by men, and one specific man occasionally made her way back into her mind. However daunting it was, he did indeed occasionally make his way back. Maverick had swagger. He moved and grooved with the type of charisma only specific men have, and he knew it, just as he knew how to get her, one would say, hooked every single time. And boy, did he get her hooked every single time. Not to mention, he was rated one of the top Twitch streamers and the largest donor to World Gone Geek Fest. And today just happened to be his birthday and she already knew where he was. Now, the big question was, should she go? She danced yet carefully perused the idea of surprising him at their spot. Well, technically her spot, but she graciously allowed him to take claim as well. Zelda, should I go see him? She asked. Zelda, completely uninterested in anything other than the soft strokes to her fur, looked up at her, blinked softly and placed her head back down on Sloane's left leg. She knew she could choose to take that as the rifle know it was, or she could listen to the very soft yes that was swirling around inside of her. And to no surprise, she listened to the yes. Sloane picked Zelda up and placed her head on her shoulder. She slowly pushed herself from her desk, slid the chair underneath, and walked to her closet door to find something a little more outdoorsy. She placed Zelda on her rough, roughly made bed and got dressed. She put on some black leggings, a gray oversized hoodie, his gray oversized hoodie, and a black beanie, also his, as the letter M was embroidered on it. She said aloud, no wonder I can move on, God. I still have all of his stuff. She quickly took off his hoodie and beanie, threw on a black tank, rain jacket, and went downstairs. She put her shoes on and grabbed her essentials, phone, keys, wallet, and ran out the door. Their spot was only a 15-minute drive from her apartment, and as she pulled into a parking lot full of cars, only one stood out, his. The black Jeep Wrangler that was once his dad's. She always knew it was his because of the gold cross hanging from his mirror and a bumper sticker that read Ephesians 2.8 a Bible verse that got her through plenty. Sloan got out, her got out of her vehicle and ventured toward a trail that many hadn't tread as the brush was still pretty high, but noticeably traveled. As she walked, slowly, slowly coming up to the spot they had met time and time again, she couldn't help but to finally think, how was this actually supposed to go? We hadn't spoken almost a year and immediately anxiety started to overwhelm her. So she did what she should have done in the first place. She prayed. She lifted her head, opened her eyes, and there he was standing right in front of her, their eyes staring directly at each other. He said, I wasn't sure if you'd show Marie, Slow's middle name. He always called her that. 
She hated it, of course. Sloane smirked, casually rolling her eyes at the middle name comment and walked closer to him. Happy birthday, Mr. Turk. He chuckled a bit and said, man, you know, I hate that. Come on, let's go to our spot before someone takes it. So they hiked up the steep hill and then back down, which eventually led them to God's Cove. At least that's what they called it. Sloane found God's Cove when she first moved into her apartment. An avid hiker and outdoorsy woman, she constantly craved adventure, adventure since moving to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The cove was surrounded by trees and in a pit and in the pit, a spring that many, including Maverick, would cliff jump into. Sloan didn't partake, partake then because she was terrified of heights. It was roughly noon and the sun was scorching. Thanking herself for taking off the hoodie, his hoodie. How hot, how hot is it outside? Sloan asked. 86 degrees. It's supposed to get up to 95, he replied. They made their way to a shaded tree just overlooking the spring. He already packed everything, she snarkled. Prepared as usual, huh? He didn't respond, just looked and paused as if he was thinking about what to say, but decided otherwise as he continued unpacking his bag. Sloan didn't even realize he had a bag with him when they first made eye contact or even as they hiked up here. She was too focused on the fact that they were together again after all this time. But she still watched as he removed various drinks and snacks from his bag. Two of everything, she noticed. Trying to convince herself to speak up, he broke the silence and asked, aren't you going to get into the water? Sloan, very much unprepared, said, no, you know I didn't bring my bathing suit. I was never as organized as you. He pulled her own swimsuit from his bag, pulled her old swimsuit from his bag and said, good thing I know you. He responded with a, sneak, a sneaky grin. Sloan knew her facial expression said exactly how surprised she was that he still had it because he immediately followed up with it. If he immediately followed up with, it's not that deep. I just hadn't seen you and since your mom bought it, I didn't want to throw it away. See, hooked, she thought, grabbing the bright orange swimsuit from him and thanking him for bringing it back. Sloan got up and walked a good distance into the trees to change. As she walked back, she couldn't help but to think, is this the same man that walked away from her when she needed him the most? My mom just passed, she thought. She was not, she, my mom just passed, she said aloud, not necessarily caring as they weren't that close to each other yet. They never had that conversation and she wasn't sure when they should. Was this the right time? But is there ever a right time, she thought. As she made her way back to the picnic area, Sloan asked if he was excited for World Gone Geek Fest. He said, of course, that is the best time of the year. Tons of gamers, cosplayers, voice actors, so many people, plus a sponsor that I've been trying to get for my channel for the longest. Sloan knew exactly who he was talking about, because so had she, World Gone Geek. They weren't just iconic faith-based all-female leaders of the biggest festival in the United States, but they were leaders in podcasting and streaming. They made podcasting and streaming history throughout through their legendary content and guests. And Maverick wanted them, of course, but so did she, of course. Switching the subject, Sloan asked, are you going to get into the water as well? He looked up at her, smiled and said, I thought about it, but only if you jump. You know my response to that, I snarled. He replied, Come on, Marie, jump. I gave him the look, prompting him to quickly follow up with, okay, I will back off World Gone Geek if, pausing momentarily, then swallowing hard, he continued, if you jump. We were both staring down at the spring. And the thing is, he wanted me to say that the idea was dangerous and admit that I was too scared. And to appease him, 
I almost did. But if I'm being honest, friends, the idea was simple. I wasn't scared and it wasn't dangerous. It was maddeningly exhilarating and I knew exactly what to do. I grabbed his hand and plunged us both into the water. The end. That was a good ending. Nicely done. <clears throat> I, I just I love how World Gone Geek uh, is now a fest. <laughs> is now a yeah. festival. You guys got big, and it's all like female. Wish, <laughs> Sorry, that's you why guys, I chuckled like, in well, the beginning. It, 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 it's partially Will's film moment. I'd love to have a, a convention, and then she's like all female. World Gone like, Geek. Well, <laughs> well, crap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's World great. Gone Female Geek. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I figured I would just do the opposite of what's actually, yeah. Anyway, no, I thought that, no, that was, great. was great. Yeah, no, yeah, I thought I it was great. The intro, the introvert attack. That was a that was a good that little phrase. Nice, I like that. That's a good. I can term. relate. Yeah, I like that. So thank you. So, uh, any what was your inspiration for this? Was any of it based on like Art, actual relationship type life? stuff or no? It was okay. not. I honestly just didn't know what to write about. At first, I was going to write about a disgruntled <laughs> teen. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what to write about, so I just started writing, and then this is what we came up with. Any well, any of it? Any of it based in real life? Any of it? Like no, yourself. <laughs> well, not Does no. Ma- does, is Maverick mullet guy? No, <laughs> no. Does he Maverick have a purple sword? Does he have a mullet? <laughs> or. Or is he purple demon sword guy? (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, I was actually going to, like, I was going, I just didn't. I was also, uh, I'm also a procrastinator. I was actually going to base, like, the middle of it. So I was going to base it off of, like, a dream, right? Like, it was all just going to be a dream that she had. Um, And then go more in-depth into the dream. Like, the dreams were basically going to tell her reality, if that makes sense. Mm. So, but I didn't have time to kind of navigate. So that. I just I have a quick, th- just like kind of um, observation, and then I'm just curious if there's any like weight to it. Like, what I found interesting was how like the character at the beginning, like throughout the whole thing, we're talking about a very independent woman. She's like, I mean, like, and by the way, I wrote down a, like a, a possible title. I think I am woman would be a great title because it was the name <laughs> of her podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it. it at least at the beginning until the very end, it was like she was almost still looking for the approval of this guy. And she couldn't get yeah. past that until she like literally grabbed his hand and, and jumped. Like, is is there any of that that like might have like stemmed from inside where is there like a woman that's like screaming to get out, but you feel held back or anything like that? Or uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Because don't let these jokers I don't know. I mean, hold you I back. Feel like, like I definitely, this is that would be <laughs> like this is that goes into like a lot of deep, deeper rooted daddy issues that we don't really need to talk about. On the well, podcast. I mean, sure. yeah, I mean, I so, often, you know. I often <laughs> find that like in reflection, like a lot of the stuff that I end up writing about might have some like deep seated like emotional tie with. Yeah. So I was just curious, like. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I. I I don't know. I didn't really give that part too much thought, but I'm sure it does. I mean, you know, I'm a but, woman who's. But I, 
I really do like the way she kind of took charge at the end because there was even even that moment when she was getting dressed to go where she was like, wait, I'm yeah, in his clothes. Like, yeah. I need to. Be, I like that. That was a nice touch. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. So I, I think I we we saw like a true character sure. arc like throughout this whole thing. I yeah, it was, was really a well good. thought out character. Yeah. The only part it, that I realized real. didn't actually like I didn't realize that I had messed up. So I, in the beginning, I said that she's not really that outdoorsy. But then I said, oh, yeah, she's an avid outdoorsy person. So I like messed those. That's what up. the first draft happens. That's all right. I find myself doing that constantly. You just got a yeah. couple words to delete and you're good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I definitely do want to actually tweak it and make it as though like yeah. this is her sleeping, but her dream is yeah, because I have two weird, of crazy dreams. Not to be like, <laughs> I mean, about them. and that could be inter- that whole thing no, could I, be interpreted. Yeah, as I like can a dream. go with the dreams. You like yeah. you jump, and she wakes up, and she was like, "Wait, I don't need him." And then, I am woman. Yeah, I am woman. <laughs> I am. Hear me roar. I'm seeing a short film. <laughs> nice here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nicely done. Really well done. Thanks. All right. Well, it's my turn, so I'm going to preface as well. Right. Hold and, on to and, your butts. And I can't wait. I really want, was looking forward to this because I want to talk to you and uh, Matt and Ian about this and whether or not you you sometimes encounter what I'm encountering. So I'm, I'll just tell you, the, the character, the main character in my story is not a good person. He is a racist. He's a misogynist. He is a rapist. He's a bad guy, right? Um, and so James Bond. It I'm became, kidding. Wow. Right, Whoa. It became Whoa. very <laughs> difficult uh, for me at times to like, like, I knew what I wanted this character to do and say. And then I was like, I can't do it like i can't bring myself to mm. write some of the things that i i felt like he would say and it it was so that's i'm giving you first of all as a preface that he's going to say some things that aren't aren't pleasant um mm-hmm. but they're very tame compared to what i <laughs> was thinking so i'm sure you can imagine some of the things that could have come out of his mouth if i, if I was going to go there and i wouldn't at least not on this show but um it's do you guys ever have a situation where you've written a character that is so despicable that you, it's you get that ick factor trying to write for him? Yeah, I I for the longest time would not write from an antagonist point of view because I didn't want to have to one be in their head, but also have to you know write them convincingly. Yeah, but then you know I I broke that rule at some point, and even with my current work in progress, the one character I had whose head I had to be in, in my head, he was, he was a very dark person. And I, I don't think probably in the end I communicated um, probably as well as I could have, if I would have put everything on paper that I thought, you know, exactly what you're describing, but it's just like, I I don't want to write that stuff. And I don't like, you know, you start to psych yourself out like, well, if I write this, what are people going to think about me? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I also want to maintain a level of like, accessibility and I don't want to write something that, you know, and I want you to get to the end of the story too, because it's not, it's not all that. Like it's not when you're living with it in your head, it's like you, 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 you see everything and hear everything that that person would do. And it's, it it, it does kind of bother you a little bit, but then you realize it's all coming out of your own head also, (laughs) which is sometimes like the part that's, but to me that's the disturbing part, right? Well, I'm writing a character, 
that based on like stuff reality. you observe perhaps yeah, right exactly. in everyday Not life actually think right but the 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 ease in which you were able to put that character together though i think doesn't betray like you as a messed up person it, i think it just betrays the um the universal sort of like depravity of humanity kind of a thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, and, how and anyone that's... in the right situation can could fall into you know a really bad spot well and i think even the fact that you are recognizing this as a despicable character yeah means you're that you're okay you know what i mean like no i know i want to make i'm just saying like uh, like i don't have a problem like like i read stephen king stuff and he writes some just disgusting people sometimes right right right. but i and i sometimes i wonder dude like (laughs) where did that come from but i know that he's a normal guy who's not gonna you know what i mean who doesn't really believe those things um so but I, but that's Stephen King, right? He's been doing this for you know longer sure. than I've been alive, almost. So, but if but if he wouldn't have taken that risk, he wouldn't be Stephen King, right? Mm-hmm. You know and what so I mean? Like that's that's what I'm talking about. It's less about whether I can do it. I know I can write it. Yeah, and yeah, I'll feel icky while I'm doing it. But I also don't want other people to be like, dude, why did he go there? You know what I mean? Well, because this is a this is like a horror story, and it went there. Right. Like it is what it is. So I just want to preface that, and so you guys at least know that that's there's a bad person in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, and he and I it's in it's in third person. I'm I, I tend to and I, we'll talk about it after. I wanted to ask sometimes okay. uh, what inspires you guys. I mean, both Utah and Aaliyah today went in uh, first person, and I wonder. Uh, uh, and then I listen to you guys, and sometimes you guys will do one or the other, and so I wonder what kind of inspires you to do that. Um, for me, it, it should be obvious. I did not want to be this guy <laughs> and be <laughs> speaking from his perspective. But no, it needs to be uh, third person for the purpose of the story anyway. Gotcha. All right. So I guess I'll I'll read it. <laughs> Let's now go. That now that we've prefaced all of that, here we go. <clears throat> all right. The name of the story is Cold as Stone. Those urinals aren't going to clean themselves. Randy raised his head upon hearing this and stared into the eyes of his supervisor, Terrence Keene. And Terrence balked. Randy caught the hesitation. He lifted a cigarette to his mouth, took a long drag, his eyes never wavering from the stare. Then he dropped the cigarette to the concrete. Terrence tore his eyes away from Randy's and watched it fall, bounce twice with an orange spark, and then be subdued into fragments and ash beneath the toe of Randy's boot. Randy's eyes never left Terrence. Terrence now looked up from the flattened smoke and willed himself to return Randy's gaze. With a sigh, Randy pushed himself away from the wall he'd been leaning on and turned to face Terrence. Terrence recoiled and slid out of the way to allow Randy to move past him and re-enter the building. The Tylersburg Tri-County Convention Center floor was alive with activity. Hundreds of vendors, conventioneers, and exhibitors filled the cavernous room. The cacophony of a hundred conversations grated on Randy's ears. Just inside the door, his dirty yellow bucket and mop, as well as a cart full of cleaning supplies, toilet paper, and attached waste bin awaited him. He looked at both with a scowl and begrudgingly began pushing the mop bucket and pulling the cart behind. He glanced back to see Terrence re-entering the building as well, dabbing at his forehead with a handkerchief and deliberately looking practically anywhere in the world but at Randy. Pissant, Randy muttered. Randy had encountered countless pissants in his life, 
There was the pissant who worked the counter at the little dine and dash on 8th who'd called the cops on Randy when he was 13. There was the pissant cop who tricked him into spilling the truth about what happened to that girl. There was the pissant in the cheap suit and cheaper cologne who the county assigned to represent him in court. The judge had been another pissant, spouting condescending gibberish about the law, Randy's stubborn refusal to act civilly and peacefully within it, society at large and Randy's clear danger to it, the girl's pissant father who should have raised a daughter who didn't dress like a slut and ask for it. The guards up at Maxwell Maximum Security Penitentiary were all pissants, and the warden was Lord High and Holy of all pissants. May he die and rot and have rats incest nest in his innards. If Randy thought 26 years had perhaps been enough time away in Maxwell Max to then re-enter a society that had begun to rid itself of pissants, his pissant Mexican parole officer and his limp specimen of a man, Terrence, soon divested him of that notion. The pissants somehow were always the ones in charge, Randy noted. Now here he was pushing a mop with a cleaning cart trailing behind him through the throng of colorful weirdos that populated the, the convention center. To his left were a gaggle of nerds dressed in the uniforms of that old space show from years back that never seemed to die but only spawned more and more ridiculous and irritating incarnations with only slightly better special effects. On his right was a pear-shaped idiot poured into a Spider-Man costume, and walking straight towards him was a man in a red and black leather suit and mask combo garnished with a frilly pink tutu. Randy could only assume what kind of screwed-up kinky nonsense that son of a bitch got up to. As Randy made his way towards the West Wing bathrooms, he passed more and more unusual and ridiculously costumed people from all manner of comic book, movie, and television lore. They all perused booths full of toys, books, art, and other nerd paraphernalia with a kind of glee that just made Randy's blood boil. Damn, he muttered. Has the whole world gone geek? Pretty much, came a voice from his left. Randy started and turned towards the voice, ready to spit venom. His eyes fell into a large human orb form seemingly made of stone or hardened clay at least seven feet tall it towered over randy who was no slouch at six three its eyes unmoving unblinking were carved deep into a bullet bullet shaped head and seemed to stare directly over randy's head its torso was a wide solid earthen trunk supported by two massive muscular stone legs the arms of the thing man were bulging with stone muscles as well and came together to grasp the granite hilt of a tremendous sword held point to the ground. Down here, said the voice. Randy lowered his eyes from the inanimate creature to see a perfectly animate young woman, 5'4", dressed mostly in black, her dark hair tied back into a topknot. She was, or could be, pretty, Randy thought, if she removed some of the makeup and yanked that bullring out of her nose. But this... Um, I wouldn't throw her out of bed, he thought, but then this, his time with the last woman he'd been with was the reason he called Maxwell Max home for nearly three decades. This one smiled at him. That threw Randy off a bit. Women typically didn't do that to him unless they were making fun of him. Those smiles he wanted to smack off their faces and had done so on more than one occasion. I see you've met Golemite, this one said, addressing the stone creature before him. You a fan? No, Randy said, frowning. Not a nerd. The woman gasped, mocking offense, and then laughed. Randy tensed up. Honey, nerd stuff is in, bruh. Where have you been? 
Weird is cool now. The nerds are in charge. Randy frowned. You don't say. I've been away a while. It's all good, she replied. Golemite here's a stone guardian who fights for justice and peace. Justice and peace, eh? Randy scoffed. She leaned in as if to confide. And to avenge the oppressed? Randy was momentarily distracted as what appeared to be a tall, walking, talking carpet strode by the crowd. His eyes then returned to her. Oppressed, he said. It was a statement. She turned to address the booth behind her that the Golemite, had she said, stood guard over. The banner above the booth read, Golemite the Vindicator, and the walls of the booth were populated with a variety of action shots from some comic book Randy guest featuring the titular stone monstrosity. Behind the table stood a lanky African-American man in a gray sweatshirt emblazoned with the same creature. Randy's frown deepened when he laid eyes on the man. That's Dubois Collins, the woman continued. L'artiste genial. My mom had a thing for W.E.B., Dubois said, extending his hand. Randy did not take the offered hand, only eyed it suspiciously, and Dubois pulled it back and glanced at the woman, brow furrowed. I'm Abby, the woman said. I write. D.B. is uh, mi compagnon de armes who takes the pretty pictures, or makes the pretty pictures. Golomite's five years old this year. That's so, Randy said. That's so. We just struck a deal with Netflix for a series run. Randy had no idea what a Netflix was, and his eyes moved from Abby to Dubois to two placards on the table. On one was printed Dubois Collins, artist, while the other read Abby Spiegel, writer. Randy chuckled dryly. Spiegel, he said. It was not a question. At this, Abby's own brow furrowed. Yeah, that's me. Randy lowered his eyes and shook his head. Figures. Dubois edged closer to the side of the table, ready to come around if needed, and said, what exactly do you mean by that? Randy looked at him, then back at Abby. Nothing, Randy said, sizing Dubois up with his eyes. Then his eyes returned to Abby. Though it is surprising, I guess. What's surprising, Abby said. Randy began to turn away and take his bucket and cart. Hey, Abby said, what's your deal? Randy stopped for a moment and turned back to them. I'm just surprised to be, see a Jew and a black man working together. A sly smile ran across Randy's face. But I suppose that's the way of the world now. What the f Dubois spat fist clenched before Abby cut him off with a wave. I think you should move on, Pops, Abby said. Sure thing, Randy said, and the wheels of the cart and mop bucket squealed as he pushed his way through the costumed crowd. Before he got too far, he glanced back at the booth, hoping to revel in the pathetic anger of that painted harlot and her companion, but instead his eyes fell on the Golemite statue. He stopped for a moment, then shook his head. There was no way those blankly staring granite eyeballs were now looking at him, right? The night sky was a cloudy ch and ch a chill was the air, but as cold as it was, it was still unseasonably warm for late February. Randy couldn't much care if it was cold or hot. He looked up the gray expanse above him, could just make out a few stars through a split in some of the crowds, and just breathed in the feeling of freedom that was still only a few weeks old for him. He took a deep breath and immediately regretted it as he inhaled the burnt popcorn smell of the ethanol plant across the river. Randy occupied his usual spot against the wall outside the building's west wing exit door 
adding to the growing pile of cigarette butts in the concrete next to him. The nerds were almost all gone now, shuffling out of the exits, loaded down with the day's bits and baubles, acquired at prices that made Randy wonder how all these basement dwellers were able to have so much disposable cash. Terrence emerged from the doorway, pulling his coat close to himself. He stopped when he saw Randy and did not even try to cover his obvious sigh. Randy, Terrence said. Terrence, Randy replied. I know you did the bathrooms earlier. Terrence rolled his eyes, but one of the visitors drank too much butterbeer and puked in the third stall of the Ladies' West. Butter what? Doesn't matter. I'm afraid I'm going to need you to take care of that tonight. Terrence peered at him. Can you do that? Randy nodded. Thanks. Terrence started to pull away. Philip will re leave you at 11 for the night. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon. How long are the dorks here? Randy asked. Terrence frowned. They're here through Sunday. Don't let any of the visitors hear you talk like that. This is one of our biggest events of the year, Randy chuckled. Anyway, Terrence looked up the gray sky. They say it's supposed to rain. Maybe I can beat it home. Good night, Randy, Randy grunted. Terrence scurried off towards the parking lot and Randy stomped out the butt of his latest cigarette. He turned and re-entered the building, pulled the door closed behind him and made sure it latched. Then he grabbed hold of his mop and cart and made his way to the ladies' room. There were a few straggling vendors still working on their booths as he moved across the convention floor. Patrolling up the center aisle, he saw Greg Lane, the night guard who gave Randy a curt nod. Randy didn't nod back. He knew Greg would make a show of it until all the vendors were gone and then head back to the guard room and watch TV on his phone. Randy still didn't understand how that worked or sleep. Randy reached the ladies' room and took a door stopper out of his cart. He opened the door and wedged the rubber stop under it. Turning towards the stalls, he heard the door sliding shut as the door prop failed to find purchase on the slick floor. Damn it, Randy said and turned back towards the door. A startled voice came from one of the stalls. Hey, someone's in here. Randy abandoned the door and looked towards the stalls. We're closing. Everybody's got to get out. The frustrated voice said, maybe I can finish wiping my ass first. Hey, lady, do what you got to do, but beat it. Some privacy, maybe? The woman was really getting annoyed now. Randy shrugged and turned towards the door. He pushed it open, stayed right where he was, and let the door close. His eyes were trained on the stalls. Eventually, a flush was heard, and he heard the woman fumbling at the latch. When the stall door opened uh, or swung back, Abby Spiegel emerged from it and gave a startled shout when she saw Randy still there. What the hell, man? She turned to beat red. The frack is wrong with you. I didn't see nothing. Randy said, it doesn't matter. It's wholly inappropriate. She refused to come close to him and edged over to the sink to wash her hands. I have to report this, you piece of, hey, hey, Randy lifted his hands in surrender, slowly wa walking towards her. It was a joke. I've been kind of out of things for a while. I forget myself sometimes, especially around women. I haven't spent a lot of time with them in years, as you can imagine. So I wouldn't mind spending some time with you. Yeah, she scoffed. I don't care if you've been upriver for a half century. This was never appropriate behavior. Back off. He lowered his head and kept his hands up. I hear you. No harm done. I'm sorry. I was just thinking maybe we could get together later tonight. My shift ends at 11. Abby could feel her blood turning cold. Her skin crawl and her heart was climbing up into her throat. She didn't feel confident about making it to the door safely. She cursed herself inwardly for leaving her phone and bag in the booth. Not freaking likely, 
Abby said, teeth clenched. Randy reached out and brushed her hair, and she jerked away, hip-hugging the row of sinks to avoid getting nearer to him and pushed her way to the door. Abby knew she should keep moving <clears throat> and, and pushed, <laughs> pushed harder towards the door. Abby shuddered and... Uh, I'm sorry, I got lost. Abby shuddered and pushed through the door, practically running for her booth. Randy caught the door and watched her, figuring he was going to catch hell for this tomorrow and wondering if he'd just chalk this parole up as a loss and follow her to her car. Nah, he thought. That pissant Terrence is weak-willed. He'd take his chances with him and try again with her tomorrow. He pulled in his supplies and got to work. When Randy had finished his work in the bathroom, he wrestled his cart and mop bucket out to the f back out to the show floor. Only about a third of the overhead lights were on now, leaving the booths and displays below in shadowed gloom that unnerved him. The vendors were all gone, as was Greg, who was probably halfway through a phone movie by now or sawing logs. Randy didn't like it much when the place was empty and dark like this. He wasn't afraid, mind you, but the steel and concrete surroundings and the deep silence reminded him too much of lights out at Maxwell. He only had about a half hour left on his ship shift, which would be spent in the employee break room alone, eating a candy bar from the machine and listening to the time clock tick away the final minutes until he would return to his shabby apartment behind the bowling alley. He pushed his cart into the maintenance room and tucked it into a corner and began the process of rinsing his mop and dumping out the filthy water into the industrial sink. When he was finished, he put his hands behind his back, bent backwards a little, stretching. He heard it pop satisfactorily and straightened up, closed his eyes for a moment, and begrudgingly embraced the silence. The silence was soon interrupted by a crash from out on the show floor that nearly made him jump out of his skin. He rushed to the door and looked around. There was no sound now, only the silence. He squinted as he peered across the immense darkened room. Hello? He called out, his voice echoing. He listened again. Nothing. Damn it, Greg, he thought to himself. Get out here and do your job. Randy started walking down past the aisles of tables, glancing down each aisle to see if he could see anything out of place, toppled over or otherwise askew. For four aisles, he sees and hears nothing. Then he hears a thump that causes him to spin around. He was quite sure that it had come from the concession stand area. I bet those stupid kids stacked the soda syrup boxes too high, he said to himself. They probably fell down. He made his way towards the stand. If I have to clean up another mess. But there was nothing amiss in the storeroom behind the concession stand. Randy gave it one more look and then flicked off the storeroom light. He turned, ready to head back to the employee lounge, when he saw a shadow move between the booths down aisle 400. Hey, he yelled. What the hell? You got to get out of here. He started walking down towards the row where he'd seen the movement. You hear me? You better not be stealing crap. He peered through the shadows between the booth, a smile running across his mouth. He relished the idea of getting to beat down one of these comic nerds. There was more movement. This movement sounded like rocks grinding together. Randy stepped forward to, towards the gap between the two booths and emerged on the other side of the aisle and froze. Out of the shadows rose a gigantic figure, towering over Randy, its form blocking out the dim overhead emergency lights. It moved slowly towards him, and Randy backed up once again, squeezing between the booth piping. Listen, you costume freak, he said. Look, I'm going to call the guard. 
Randy pulled his radio off the back of his belt, but before he could lift it to his head, he felt his neck pinched between what felt like a giant vice and he was being lifted from the ground. The radio clattered to the ground as Randy was flung like a sack of marbles into an artist's booth. He broke through the folding table and landed hard on his back, pen and ink drawings of various supernatural creatures raining down around him. He pushed up on his elbows and began furiously scooting backwards away from the figure that had tossed him. His bell had been rung pretty good and his vision was blurry and pink, but he could see a massive shape stepping over the broken table in pursuit. Randy finally backed into a folding chair and quickly used it to haul himself dazed to his feet. Before he could move another step, however, the grip, the vice grip that was now crushing his left shoulder and another vice grip joined it on the right. In moments, Randy felt his feet dangling above the ground and his face was nose to nose with the cold, hard granite glare of the statue from the Golemite booth. It was making a strangled, horrible, gurgling, screeching sound, and it took nearly five whole seconds before he realized the sound was actually coming from his own throat. He choked and coughed and tried desperately to push away from the creature's hands, grasping and clawing at its cold and rocky chest. His fingers came away dripping with blood. The creature tightened its grip on Randy's shoulders, and Randy was pretty damn sure he'd heard something pop in the right one. The pain was so excruciating that it had passed over into numbness, and everything that was happening to him seemed to be happening far, far away. The creature leaned back slightly, and then his massive, solid head came crashing forward into Randy's face. Randy was sure his nose was broken, and probably his skull around his left eye. That damage assessment was his last thought as darkness overtook him. The next day, a poor single dad and his 11-year-old son were the ones to come upon a body floating in the river near the regatta stage where they were fishing. When the body was recovered, it was determined to be that of one Randy Volker, 44, 54, recently of 37A Cedar Terrace, formerly of Maxwell Maximum Security Penitentiary. Nearly every bone in his body was pulverized, and his face appeared to have been smashed in by a large blunt object. Police were baffled. Abby got this news from Terrence when she approached him to report Randy's behavior from the previous evening. She shivered when, she, when he described the state of Randy's corpse. She felt revulsion and relief simultaneously as she slowly made her way back to the booth. She scooted past the statue of Golemite in order to reach her chair, and her sneaker slipped in some water pooled there and grasped onto Golemite's arm to stare, steady herself. She looked down and saw that there was a little bit of water pooled around the feet of the statue. Looking up into the golem's face, she noticed a red smear across the left side of its squarish nose. She wiped it away with her hand and looked around nervously. Everything good? Dubois asked. She absently nodded and sat down at the table, grabbing a tissue from a nearby container and wiping her fingers. She worked up a smile, squirted some hand sanitizer into her hands, and greeted a fan who approached with a mint condition, Golemite the Valiant Number 1, sealed behind glass. On the cover, Golemite was lifting an evildoer by the shoulders as chaos rained down around them. Abby took a sharpie and signed the glass on the frame. Golemite the statue stood guard above her. And that's it. That's the story. All right. Wow. So, so quite the tale. <laughs> it's, I I can't I can't help about uh, like thinking about like what you were asking beforehand, and it's just like um, 
you know, when you, when you, it's almost like when you're writing about these, these terrible things like happening, it, you, you wonder if, if there's something almost like something wrong in your head where you're like wishing like this upon somebody like that. Do I really want to be yeah. writing this? And, um, but I mean, like, I, I feel like Randy got what he deserved, right? I mean, like, it might have been <laughs> well, like a, a little too much, but I mean, like, it's funny. That's where, see, that's where the, the, some of the difficulty of telling a story like this runs. I want to make him evil enough to deserve it. Right. Yeah. But I also don't want to <laughs> write about how evil he is. So I, I threw a lot mm -hmm. of subtle hints into just how sick he was. Hopefully sure. that no, came across. Is, yeah, um, it was nicely done. It, without you being too graphic it's or Twilight you know. Zony to me. Yeah, yeah, you did a really good well, job of dancing around the evil My, and yeah, very very right. Twilight Zone. It's um so uh, not Twilight Zone. Um, but uh, Creep Show was kind of Creep my show. inspiration yeah. for that, which is oh, okay. similar type of Never thing. Seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it was Stephen King. It was Creep Show, like where you know the evil bad person, something bad happens to them because they're bad, and it's like mm. a very it's simple always... kind of age old, you know, tale or whatever. Um, but I wanted it to to be like that kind of pulpy, you know, uh, uh, Creep Show type of homage i guess yeah the, the the line that really cemented him is like truly evil to me was when he said something along the lines of um maybe i should just chalk this parole up to a loss and go follow her or whatever and, and i'm like oh yeah her. like this is yeah. like that's like way more like yeah. serious than just calling somebody a nerd you know what i mean like right. yeah, yeah. But that, so that, i mean that was a powerful yeah. line that that struck me yeah. as well well, there were some other, I mean, besides the, you know, obviously uh, making a racist statement about, you know, Jewish people and black people, um, you know, there was more that I was, would have had him stay in there. But again, that felt wrong. <laughs> it just felt wrong. Well, right. But again, that's the type of, per I mean, that, unfortunately, that's a person that exists. Like, that's right. not, I think uh, you, you know, I'm not making this up. You don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, the sentiment was there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I think you did a good job of, I mean. I think that was more than enough to cement that Randy was not a good guy. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I feel like if you went any further and more or more graphic in all the bad things that he would have said or done, that might have been too much. I, I, I right. like that you kind of kept it at that first sort of layer, that tier. Um, because then that leaves a little bit to the imagination, like, oh, well, right. I think what he really thinks. Well, I mean, Matt, you picked, I think, the the, the line that I, I was that mm. was supposed to because it's I, I hint at why he's why he was there for 26 years mm -hmm. was the obvious was the rape of a of a of a, a woman. Mm. And now he's like, obviously not been rehabilitated. Still in like, that, this right, is a yeah. guy who shouldn't mm -hmm. have been let out. He's just like, oh, well, now I can get back to work. Kind of like that's just how sick, you know, kind of. I don't yeah. know. I, th I think the the choice to like have him recently released from prison was really smart too because like um it kind of shows the separation of the like his absence from the world and like he he totally mm. missed 26 years of like life. Yeah. So like uh, he's not and, sure what a Netflix is or whatever, right. you know, there's like little stuff <laughs> yeah, like that, that where funny. it's just like <laughs> where it's just like he not only is he evil like like inherently evil, but he's, he's also just, he's, he's just out of touch with everything. And that's, yeah. and kind of like, you know, that, that's sort of a statement that I was trying to make too, that people, there are people who haven't been away for 26 years that still have 
that's still mm-hmm. hold this attitude. And it's, that's worse. Obviously it's like what the, you know, mm-hmm. how, how have we not learned something in the last 30 years sure. um, that has made us better uh, people as a society? Well, and, and I mean, it could, even, it could also be read as commentary on the prison system itself, because I mean, too, isn't yeah. the, the whole purpose is to rehabilitate them to reenter society. And that obviously didn't happen. Uh, in face. A lot, <laughs> right. Sometimes they recommit a crime just to go back in because they don't feel like they fit in society. Well, sure. Right. Right. So Shaw, I love Shawshank that. Redemption, right? I right. almost, I om- it's funny you mentioned that because that was, I almost kind of like had him say that. That's, uh, you notice that he, he doesn't like it when the lights go out at night because it feels like it reminds yeah, him uh, of, lights out. Yeah. yeah, That was the same kind of thing. But at this, you know, it was. But at the same time, while it did, he it unnerved him, it still was like that's where it was that's where he's used to. That's, that's what he knew. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think if I rewrote, and I probably will go back to this and rewrite. I, there's a lot more detail I want to put into how he, you know, the the golem uh, attacks him. And things well, like oh, there that there was description in there that like it, it's one of those things where sometimes I listen to Ian and I get jealous of it. But it was right at the beginning when the cigarette hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of that with like the orange ash bouncing and the boot crushed, like all of that was just perfect. And it's something mm-hmm. that just like doesn't happen for me. So I'm always like in awe of people who can do stuff like that and still keep it going without like slowing the narrative down. Mm. Do you guys pick out where the moist squelch would have yes. been after I yes. thought? Yes. Of- <laughs> I was gonna say something yes. about that. I was gonna yes. say it was probably while he was being crushed, his like windpipe could have let out a moist yeah, squelch. Yeah. When, when he get, yeah. gets headbutted. Yeah. Yeah. The, when he gets the headbutt, it's like yeah. uh, I'm thinking like with a moist uh, with a moist That's- squelch, he realized <laughs> that his uh, nose was probably broken in his skull around the left eye. Yeah. That's exactly where I would have put it. Yeah. That's. Yeah. But that, yeah, so, I just it, I don't know. Yeah. So did I was. Abby, uh, I this- also think I wrote the best first line of a short story. <laughs> I, I love. So I don't know if you guys have heard of this this contest where people try to write the worst opening line to a book. You know, yeah. they don't have to write anything else. It's just like this just one yeah. opening line is just terrible. Right. And like so, it happened on a cold and rainy, yeah. dark and yeah. stormy night. That's yeah. the oh, yeah. That's the um. This that's is a real contest. contest? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember is. the name of it. I feel like I would definitely it's, it's win. It's called that. a dark and stormy night. Like the, you, yeah. you, you and, know, and there, you there know, are some, and the winners are like they always some release like the top brilliant. ten. Yeah. yeah, some of them are fantastic. It's so bad. funny. You're just like, oh my gosh! <laughs> like you don't think about. It. I'm like, well, I don't know what is a bad line, man? and then you're like, you read some of the ones that really creative authors have come up with, and it's just like, and oh you're gosh. like, oh, like you have to yeah. be a great writer to write that badly. <laughs> right. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, correct, exactly. Uh, which is kind of awesome. And then uh, so I just. I was like, that's why I felt. I'm like, this is pulpy. This is creep show. This is, you know, uh, 80s King. You know what I mean? When he mm-hmm. was uh, early in his career. Um, what would be like a really weird way to start the story? I think and it, so that's it, where that came a from. more interesting way. And this is where I think I was going with the Twilight Zone thing would be to have like, and you would have had to expound it upon the Golemite. Is that what you called him? Yeah. I just wanted to call him Gollum, but like the Gollumite <laughs> legend, you would have to expound it on a little bit, maybe to make this work. But I was thinking like if you would have had the Gollumite subsume Randy and then Randy has to like embody and fulfill the duty of the Gollumite. So he has to then protect all the people he doesn't like and, and you know, basically oh, do all these good deeds. It's sort of yeah. like his punishment for the things that he'd done wrong. Interesting. 
And that would have been like yeah. sort of like, you know, I, I that's where my head went with the Twilight Zone thing. But yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's cool. You well, I mean, you guys, I don't know if you're familiar with the the golem, the golem, but it's a Jewish uh, Jewish, a Jewish lore thing. Yeah, yeah, where they're, big, they're big stone big guy, stone right. or clay, and or clay. it's usually they put a scroll in its mouth or whatever, and uh, as long as it's in there, like it will do your bidding, and and it it, it avenges people. You know mm. what I mean? And and yeah. I thought that's where I thought like how cool would it be, you know, for that to be like the superhero to be based on. Cause you know, like, um, she's, she's Jewish. And so she's writing that so from does, her. Does from Abby her know? So then Abby's aware. I mean, that's she's what, no, that's why where she came up with the idea for the story. She, oh, you know, does so she know that the golem is, she is really alive? Really... I don't know. I mean, that's at the end, it's clear that she's something, you know, I'd left it. That she's aware like, that something, yeah, something's I left amiss. It, yeah. She, yeah. she, uh, but she didn't. She didn't want to say anything because she's like, um, sure, you know, right. She doesn't want. She doesn't care <laughs> what happened to him. She doesn't want to cause so, any trouble. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that that contest is called the Bulwer Lytton Fiction Contest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was like a name because I, like, I think the person who wrote that original line in a book is it's named after is, them. I think. Oh, yes, gotcha. oh yeah. All right. Gotcha. I knew it was and related was to Stormy Night. The 2022 grand prize winner was so good. <laughs> read it what was it read it what was it oh Sorry. it says that's okay <laughs> uh it says i knew she was troubled the second she walked into my 24-hour deli laundromat and detective agency and after <laughs> dropping a load of unmentionables in one of the heavy duty machines a mistake that would soon turn deadly she turned to me asking for two things find her missing husband and make her a salami on rye with spicy mustard breaking into tears when i told her i couldn't help i was fresh out of salami no. <laughs> wow. That's okay. Genius. See, I think it's awesome. Like, I would totally was, read that story. I think we all need to do this. Wow. Like it was Can really we, good. Was, it it was like really good, but then the eye was fresh out of salami, just hit it out of the park. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. I feel like yeah. intentionally writing something bad, I excel at. I can do that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, some of these are great. Like uh what do we got here? The 2020 grand prize winner. Her dear, Don, her, her dear John missive flapped unambiguously in the windy breeze, hanging like a pizza menu on the doorknob of my mind. <laughs> the doorknob of my That's mind. That's fantastic. All right. That, I wow. wouldn't read that one, but I would definitely read the story. Like if, they, if it was all written like that, the one that Aaliyah just read, like, Oh yeah. The detective agency cheek, thing. Like that's yeah, what they're totally. doing. I would totally Absolutely. read that guy's story like that. That would be into that. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, obviously we're a little, a little bit over time here. We knew that was going to happen. This is a long yeah, episode. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I want to thank Matt and Ian for being here today. Uh, their show where we guest drops tomorrow. Is that right? Matt? Yeah, tomorrow. Um, which is Monday, the 6th, 6th, uh, oh for gosh. those of you who are watching right now, um, or listening, you can just go to promptly written, um, on your favorite, I, or, uh, podcast favorite player, podcast anywhere player. podcasts are yeah. available. Yeah. Do you guys have a prompt for next month yet? Do we know? Or is yeah, it, still it was you yeah, actually, uh, and I believe yours, it was, Jeff. um, something yeah, about finicky, something about finicky. Yeah, he looks Hold finicky on, or something yeah, like that. Oh, he looks he finicky. Seems finicky. Okay. Maybe. He seems <laughs> finicky. I remember it was something like that. Yeah. All right, cool. So we'll look forward to 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 your next episode. Uh 
And did, do you have any, where can people find you? Besides, we told them where the podcast is, but is there anything else you want to share as far as uh, Ian? Uh, IanLewisFiction.com is my, my very simple website. Mm-hmm. As yeah, the and I'm at com. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all of them. So well, wherever. Really creative, guys. Really creative. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> and, above and beyond is what we aspire to. <laughs> they put all the creativity in their stories. So like the web page. I mean, come on. Let's just. What was their names, Utah? In your Sat, story, what was their name? Sat McGarrick and Liam <laughs> Liam Lewis. Liam there you Lewis. Go. <laughs> Lewis. That Liam Lewis needs a pen name, I think. That's funny. I think so. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Perfect. So uh, what we announced on your podcast, Matt, and I think you said you're going to put the trailer on there. Yeah, I did. Um, I tagged it on the end. A new podcast nice. that Matt and I uh, have teamed up on. Um, speaking to Stephen King, we are talking about earlier. Uh, both mm. of us are King fans, and we are going to journey through the Dark Tower series and all of the ancillary books that extend throughout his crazy uh, Stephen all King extended quests. universe. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going to take books. a lot of side quests. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you're interested, if you love Stephen King, you can join us for that. I am not going to play the trailer because it's already been long enough <laughs> of a show. Um, but I will put a, a link to the show in the show notes so you can check out check that out. We got a trailer out there. We're going to be um, recording uh, soon. We're going to start start reading with the Gunslinger, and uh, uh, it's going to it's a what I say for a five year journey. I think through Something everything like that. It's it's, a it's five a year long mission. time. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think it's just two years through the the main Dark Tower. Or three years to the main Dark Tower stuff. It's all the side quests then, that you're, you guys are going to do. Yeah, it's all the side quests. And yeah. then there's so a lot of extra the stuff we're going to throw up Cause, in cause the yeah, what we, at the end. Like the, the reading for the listeners for episode is going to be what, like about 100, 100, 150 page chunks or something? Yeah, it's no. I think it's never more than like 200, you know. So literally you could read more than that, obviously. But we're going to mm-hmm. take it in those kind of chunks to kind of, you know, talk about it and, and that kind of stuff. And that's it's divided up as the chapters and parts are kind of to make sure that they all stay. It doesn't stop in the middle of a page or, you know, in the middle of a chapter. Right. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. And he said, until next okay. time, <laughs> you'll find out. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again uh, for listening. And we appreciate you. Make sure to follow us on all the socials at World Gun Geek. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, smash that like button. I've never said that as a YouTuber, <laughs> but there we go. Um, and uh, Twitch, and um, we're also uh, on Twitter and Instagram, um, and all those fun things. So thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys later. Oh, Bye. That's a spicy Bye. fish stick. The podcast is real, is a World Gone Geek production.